And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Wow, what a day this is going to be. Welcome, folks, again, to the Hagman and Hagman Report. I'm Doug Hagman, once again at the helm, with, of course, with fellow investigator, researcher, and most importantly, my son, Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. We ferret out the truth. We investigate. We investigate and report. Then you decide. I just... Smack my knee on the bottom of the set here. What do you think of that? Folks, we broadcast live each and every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. That's the place to be. You can watch us live on our YouTube channel. Just go to Hagman and Hagman.com or HagmanReport.com and, and, and select the venue. Uh, too, to listen. You can either listen on Global Star, or you can listen on Blog Talk Radio, where we'll sit, where we're simulcast live, or you can watch us right here on YouTube Live. Once again, our YouTube, uh, stream. Please subscribe to our YouTube stream, our YouTube channel. The reason we ask you to subscribe is because there is a war right now against conservatives, against conservative talk show hosts, against truth tellers in the media it's us well what we're trying to do is we're trying to elevate our visibility and to do that you've got to play by their rules and their rules are the more people who subscribe then the elevation rises the numbers rise but we've watched oh we've watched some some very interesting things take place with respect to the numbers um last year alone we uh we were downloaded in over 110 countries. We were, uh, we had 64.5 million downloads mm-hmm, of our program. Uh, we have on average anywhere between 50 to 75,000 live listeners per show. Now, something about that, of course, they measure that in quarter hour increments and it's kind of a moving target. It's a nebulous number. Uh, you really can't tell. But it's interesting because we might get six views on our YouTube, right? How does that work? I'm just kidding when I say six, but the numbers are low, right, Joe? I mean, yeah, the numbers, the numbers don't reflect, reflect what the actual viewership is. And it's not just on YouTube. It is it's on... Exactly. It is on every single venue and, uh, from blog talk to YouTube to SoundCloud to all the different places that we find ourselves. They seem to skew the numbers or yes. there is a uh, malfunction in the number counting algorithm. I'm not uh, pointing fingers or saying the companies are intentionally doing it. It's Eric. It's Eric. He's the one. Yeah. I mean, I I'm think just, if kidding, Eric had the capabilities to do that, he would at least skew the numbers in our favor, I would hope. You would think, right? Uh, you would. And if it's not the case, then we have a problem. Uh, you know, I'm kind of freaked out right now, um, folks. It, it, those of you watching on YouTube, 
see, I, I, I was here, but I wasn't here yesterday. What's going on with the backdrop? I, I keep getting like this. Oh, you this were, yeah, flash. you weren't in here yesterday. Well, I, Eric, no. I, I saw this from afar. There were two different, well, there was a, a background that was similar to this, but was not, uh, the same as this, not with the moving, uh, pieces, shapes, and letters. Eric's, he said, yeah, just, just testing this out. So. The capabilities anyway. of this thing. It's good. It's kind of like we, we've got a halo, uh, the halo effect, right? You know, in reality, we could put so many different things behind there. We could make it look like we're standing in the middle of a street with people walking by. We could. See, people, some people think that's a green screen. That's not a green screen. Mm-mm. It's no, a no, no, projector no, no. screen. It's a dual uh, projector, dual screen, dual. Oh, I. Hey, folks, sorry about that. Not allowed to say that. Well, you know, welcome. This is debate night. This is the final debate. I had somebody, I was talking to somebody on air today, and they said, you know, I'm, oh, it's JD. He said, I wonder if Hillary's even going to show up to the debate. And I thought, oh, she'll be there. Yeah, she'll be there indeed. Folks, portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by Casper Mattress. Oh, my goodness. Can you tell I had, slamming things. Can you tell? Can you tell I had a great night's sleep sleep last night? I, I have a great night's sleep every night. Folks, go to Casper.com slash CFP radio. That's Casper.com slash CFP radio. Enjoy a great night's sleep. Casper has got a, just a tremendous mattress. It's the only mattress I will sleep on in my home. Um, the Casper mattress is, is it's just a remarkable mattress, folks. It's an, a Casper is an online retailer, retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Now the mattress industry, they've inherently forced consumers to pay notoriously high markups. Casper, of course, is changing that. They cut the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and they pass that savings directly on to you folks. So go to Casper dot com slash cfp radio and use the promo code cfp radio for fifty dollars off toward a purchase of a mattress and best of all oh my goodness lady lady has on her christmas list she wants a casper doggy bed now i'm not sure why because she sleeps i thought she had one she sleeps on our casper mattress Right between my wife and I. That's where she sleeps every single night. And, um, she loves in, it. In the Casper mattress in, in the, the guest room. Oh, in the I'm guest room, sure yeah. She uses that. She, she sneaks up there during the day. If, especially if I'm not home or if I leave her. And, and I rarely leave her, but, uh, she'll sneak up there and, and nap on the Casper mattress. Now we've got, uh, our house is a Casper house, but anyway, it's so. But they have dog doggy beds out there. Oh, I'm so excited! Casper mattress. So go to Casper.com/slash/CFPRadio. But you know what, folks? We uh, I'm in a great mood today. I we have such a great program planned. Mark for you. your calendar. Yeah, it's rare, right? Um, I'll have what he's having now. You know, D- Dinesh D'Souza, one of my favorite people in the entire world, is Dinesh D'Souza. I say that this man has been through hell and back, folks. How many people out there in in our studio audience know D- Dinesh D'Souza? Okay, um, yeah, he's that, been that's in all the news. Of them. He's, yeah, he, everyone. He's been for those who don't. He's been in the news a lot recently. Uh, this last week, he was on the Sean Hannity show. 
uh, he has a documentary out. It's a, a, a groundbreaking documentary that is uh, one of the most popular in the country right yep. now, titled Hillary's America, the Secret History of the Democratic Party. Now, Anthony, uh, Anthony, Dinesh D'Souza is a best-selling author and filmmaker. His films 2016, Obama's America and America, Imagine a World Without Her, are respectively the number two and number six highest-ranked political documentaries of all time. Yes. He was born in Mumbai, India. Dinesh truly has lived the American dream. And the American nightmare in some respects. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about him more. Uh, he is a, a very well-educated man. Um, he has a career. He has a prominent career as a writer, a scholar, public intellectual, as well as a renowned filmmaker and author. And yeah, he right. has a wealth of... Uh, information and his his new film uh new documentary is fantastic hillary's america and it's really uh making waves in the political world now it's funny i have a word document up along with a pdf to each are one a file of his bio another one is of the Hillary's America information and viruses started popping up on my computer. <laughs> Go figure. I, that but, never but, happened. You so. know what? If if you folks, if you, ha- I'm not even on the internet. If there's one movie right now, seriously, one documentary right now, or one book slash documentary, there's a book and, and, a, and a DVD. It's Hillary's America. You need to see this. Um, there was a caller to Rush Limbaugh's show the other day, or not too long ago. I don't know who saw that movie. And just expressed uh, angst because of the information contained in that movie. Dinesh D'Souza has uh, uh, priced the DVDs so you can give them out as well as educational tools, informational tools. And this is America. So the half hour that, that Dinesh is going to be coming on, the next half hour, is going to be informative like you can't believe. Um, our, mm-hmm. The links to his website are, are in the in the program description. And then we've got Carl Gallup's coming on. And yeah. we talked to Carl, uh, before the, uh, before, or earlier today. Yes, we did. He's been a guest on our show, uh, yep. at least once before. And he is, uh, very well known. And he talks about a number of things. Um, and we're going to talk about his, his latest book, uh, somewhat, but as it pertains to current events and and Bible prophecy. And he also is going to stay with us in hour three as we're going to have live debate coverage where my father, myself, and Carl are all going to be watching the the captions on the debate as we have a conversation, and we're going to probably interject on what was said and what's happening while the debate is ongoing. Actually, uh, we're going to be feeding Hillary the answers (laughs) during the debate, okay? (laughs) Oh, Man, if I had enough money in the world to be able to pay to do that, that would be there something. You go. Yeah, that's right. But but seriously, it's so uh, Dinesh D'Souza segment uh, two, and then for the <laughs> remainder of the program, Carl Gallup. So stay with us, and you're not going to want to to stray. You can have the debate on in the background, but but look, that's political theater, and you know we know. We know how that's that's all organized, but and I'm happy it's only going to be uh, visual for us and closed oh, captions yeah. because I I cannot watch the well, debate. You know, after the show, just to be clear, um, the, the debate is going to extend beyond the show, and then uh, we're not going to extend the program. But after the show, I'm going to watch the debate in its entirety as well. Um, 
it's being recorded on on the monitor down here in the studio as well as at my home and I think in my office so we've got like everything set to go different networks different recordings um I also want to mention I want to welcome a brand new sponsor I, I oh how great is this quip folks I don't know whether you have ever heard of quip quip is a modern oral care brand that that has designed this beautifully it's a beautiful electric toothbrush uh and delivers this affordable these affordable brush heads every three months and toothpaste it's just a wonderful program folks it's get quip q u i p that's get quip dot com slash c f p radio i i brought one i i, I don't know if Folks on who are watching this on on YouTube, um, here's mine. It might be a little wet from using it, but here's mine. It comes in this this very neat tube, and uh, what this is is a is a it's a elegant electric toothbrush, and it uh, it it's it's actually on a, on a timer, and it delivers just the right brush technique and such. It's really a cool toothbrush. This is this is one of the best toothbrushes I've ever used. It's Get Quip. That is get like you know obtain G E T Q U I P dot com slash CFP radio. They've actually um Quip has actually given our audience a great deal. So go to that web go go to the website getquip.com slash CFP radio for uh, and take advantage of the, of the deal that they've given our listeners to the Hagman Hagman Report. More, again, more on that later. But I, I wanted to mention that and wanted to show that uh, since we have the ability. Here's the toothpaste, which, by the way, is really a great toothpaste. It's Quip toothpaste, and they have a travel size too. Uh, and you think I'm? I see. I'm gonna I'm gonna use I'm, this I'm gonna, for like a week, and I'm gonna report back. Yeah, I, I'll tell you. My wife we don't too. use anything. I mean, we don't endorse anything we don't use. My wife brushes her teeth like five times a day. At the very least, so I am. I'm going to take that, and I am going to have her write something up as a, a review. Well, and that's good. She's very uh, well. Actually, you know what happened? I call her the tooth Nazi. The tooth. <laughs> well, my wife saw me, my wife saw it come in come in the mail, and, and so I used it, and she said, "But I'd like to try that." I said, "You're not going to try. It. You're not going to use my toothbrush." So we we got her. I, I I ordered a toothbrush for her, and she used it, and she loves it. She loves it. So, uh, welcome Quip to the Hagman family. That's Q-U-I-P, getquip.com slash CFP radio. Welcome Quip to the Hagman family. I, I just want to extend a warm welcome to, to our sponsors and folks who support our sponsors too. Uh, they keep us on the air. Uh, now, there's a lot of stuff going on with respect to the WikiLeaks. Uh, I, well, you and I were talking about this before, folks. The WikiLeaks situation is extremely, extremely important. The information that's that's being given right now, yeah, that it's available, and people don't understand that. You were looking into this. Uh, I've gone through. It seems like every time I I finish what I wanted to report on, more emails come out. Um, the Podesta emails, and they're extremely damaging with respect to giving away the playbook behind. The Democratic National Socialist Globalist uh, Agenda. Did you did you want to say anything about that? Because I think it's there is so much in the uh, 
Podesta email leaks, the Hillary Clinton paid speeches, and the releases from James O'Keefe from Project Veritas. That's separate, but yes, in the same... On top of that, you have the releases by the FBI of uh, 100-plus documents and the latest document dump, uh, a four-part dump, that deals with the notes and... Um, different FBI investigative information that is being released to the public. So you have a, a treasure trove of information, and uh, a lot of it pertains to Hillary Clinton. A lot of it pertains to her email scandal, the way she ran her campaign, the theft of the primary from Bernie Sanders, as well as the uh, collaboration between the DNC, her campaign, the foundation, and the mainstream media. And we talked yesterday a little bit about this, and we haven't gotten any further uh, into this investigation, but how the TARP bailouts relate to the uh, pay-to-play Washington mentality and how Hillary Clinton took advantage of this uh, as much <coughs> as she could. And what we're seeing now, you know, what's most disturbing, I guess you'd expect at this point in our life and in this world, politics and politicians to be a corrupt industry and corrupt, full of corrupt people. Just by nature at this point. At but the epicenter, though, is your, what you're saying, Joe, is the Clinton Foundation is at the epicenter of just about everything that we're seeing, right? Or, or not? The Clinton Foundation is the, uh, what would you call it, is the enabler of funds to be funneled through for all of Hillary Clinton's criminal and other nefarious purposes, funding right. her campaign, uh, paying people to create uh, physical violence and disturbances at Trump rallies. I mean, these countries, and not only that, but access also, as she was Secretary of State, you know, one great example of this is between Qatar and Saudi Arabia, they donated $13 million total. It could be more than that. It might be more than that. Yeah, it's on a sliding scale because they don't have to report. They can just report ranges. Not soon after that donation was made, the State Department authorized a $561 billion or million dollar arms deal to Saudi Arabia. Um, basically giving them, you know, half a billion dollars worth of arms. Yep. And in the emails, in the Podesta emails, they talk about special categories for donors and, you know, people who want things in return, people who are donating for the purpose of helping the cause. Uh, and the one, one thing that's really uh, striking that we are doing some investigative reports on and uh, some reports on what's been released so far is the relationship between the media and the Clinton campaign, State Department, and Clinton Foundation, where you have these uh, incestuous marriages between, uh, you know, the, the Clinton campaign, uh, you know, Secretary of Chief of Staff married to NBC White House reporter, blah, blah, blah. There's does a marriage come first or does a job come first? It seems like the job comes first, and it's. I mean, I, I guess that would depend on on the marriage. Look at Bill and Hillary Clinton's marriage. But is uh, it really a marriage, I'm, I'm, or is no, it? No, no, no. I'm saying, a, I'm saying what chronologically. Well, it depends on what they hope to gain in their political career. As one great example, Hillary Clinton left is uh, you can get much further with your political aspirations uh, if you have a. a husband who is a former president that you stood by during extramarital affairs 
it seems like they are continued to stay married only for the purposes of their foundation and all the money and influence and power that they've gained. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, from the the, the well, different stories from Secret Service members to the release of WikiLeaks Podesta emails shows that there is a disdain and hatred between the two uh, on, uh, on on a bunch of different levels. Hillary Clinton, in one of the emails, had to cool down from her rage as Bill Clinton canceled a Goldman Sachs speech three days before the Iowa caucus was to start because it would he thought it would give the campaign a bad image. Hillary Clinton said, no, you go there and you speak. Yes. And Bill yes. said no. And Huma Abedin replied back, well, she needs a cooling off period. She is rageful right now. Something along those lines. And, I mean, as I said yesterday, of all the things that are talked about that are in the emails, one thing that's not talked about and overlooked that should be talked about is the not the scandals, not not all the uh, things that we were called conspiracy theorists for saying that have proven to be true, but the lack of any emails that talk about any ways to help America or the American people or you know get us out of debt, how to bring jobs back to this country. Nothing in those emails speak anything of any plans to do good for this country. That's right. Yeah, it's all. It's all inside baseball, uh, putrid politics, the sewage that's being exposed. And I think people really need to understand the importance. I don't think the importance of these, the WikiLeaks can be overstated. And it's interesting, what, uh, just a, a few years ago, several years ago, I mean, we're right after, well, WikiLeaks just celebrated their 10th birthday. So, Eight years ago, we'll say. The left, the Democratic National Socialist Party, the communists, they were, they, they were more celebratory over the WikiLeaks when the WikiLeaks were talking about things in Iraq and, and, and the Bush slash neocons, which, you know, I, look, I, I think in total that we need to lay it all out. I don't care, Republican, Democrat, conservative in name uh, or, or liberal. We need to lay it all out and get get to the truth. But it's interesting how, how 10 years ago, or right after the birth of WikiLeaks, right after it's, it, it, it began, oh, the left, they were embracing the, re- the, the, the revelations. But today they're condemning them or ignoring them. And a lot of people today, and, and this is something that I found through my Facebook uh, responses, what I see through Facebook and, and from emails and from letters into the studio is that people are, they don't have the time to to go through the emails. They rely on people like us to do that. And we've gone through, uh, the, the last count was 28,000, uh, and well, you might as well toss in another 8,000. I think in total there's uh, an additional 15,000 from Podesta. So you're looking at tens of thousands of emails that, that and email threads and chains that we've, we're going through. And we're seeing, we're finding a lot of good information. But I think at the epicenter of, of this corruption here, or uh, at, at the epicenter lies the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton family. And there's sources mentioned over 50 times in the Podesta files. Um, Keep them happy. Yeah, so there you go. That's right. So, 
think about this. But what we are doing in the larger sense, and and, and you have to understand, this is a, an investigation that is in progress. It's ongoing. Is we are taking everything we're going through, all of these emails, and we're laying out both a timeline and also a content. Uh, it's both but by chronology, uh, chronological, as well as the content. But you folks are going to have our investigative report on this. There might be several investigative reports. Joe's got an article that's going to be published tomorrow. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain. Uh, Joe, I think you're pretty certain about that. Yeah, so, um, it's part one of a basic overview of some of the uh, media Clinton intermingling, well, I wouldn't even call it intermingling, flat-out, uh, you know, Propaganda arm of the Clinton campaign yeah. and the media, and how the WikiLeaks and other actions uh, prove that there is nothing but complete media bias in the selection against Donald Trump, protecting and towards Hillary Clinton. And you know why are they doing this? Could be for a number of reasons. It could be for money. It could be for position. Once they believe she takes office and gets power. Maybe it's because they know what she's going to do and they don't want to be executed like the rest of the, uh, you know, uh, everyday Americans out there. I don't know. And at the, at the end of the day, I do believe what we're seeing here is the incremental dismantling through this information, this process of revelation, these revelations, the, where, where the globalist power structure is being laid bare. That's the value in these emails. That's the value in the, the WikiLeaks. This is the value in the James O'Keefe. Um, mm-hmm. and now it's interesting because and very quickly he would, uh, when CNN was talking about O'Keefe, they cut him off. Uh, no, no, the discredited. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, <laughs> so oh, the White House even came out and issued statements about this. Not to interrupt you, I'm actually posting a story to the site right now of White House urges extreme, yes, extreme, uh, O'Keefe or caution on O'Keefe videos. Really, it, they are. You know that. That's look. When we were investigators, we took undercover videos, and we 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 had a we took them to court. We provided evidence, whether it was in front of a judge or a jury. And I'll tell you this. You know, the 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 pushback on the videos when you are in a court setting and you're watching the defendant. Um, or the plaintiff, whichever, you're watching the face. Oh, it's, it's something to behold. So, yeah, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna find where the White House and other, others will say, hey, be careful. You don't want to pollute your mind with this. Folks, we're gonna be right back. Stay right where you're at. Thanks for checking in. Listeners checking in all across the United States, Canada, Central, South America. We've got uh, a number of listeners checking in from Europe, including the UK, Germany. I want to say hello to all of you, Constance and France. Thanks for tuning in live, or it's either late 
are early. We've got such a special treat lined up for you right now. I'm just, I don't even want to take much time at all from our next guest, who is a man I believe uh, is a man of great character, great integrity. His name, of course, is Dinesh D'Souza, folks. You know him from his appearances on, on uh, what, numerous, numerous media venues from Fox to CNN. Uh, of course, Mr. Uh, Dinesh Most recently, I heard him on John Hannity. Yeah, uh-huh. he was on with, with Sean. This man is, is a fantastic man. Uh, he, he is a filmmaker. He's an author. He's a speaker. Uh, I, 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 I've gotten his books. In fact, uh, I've got, I think, every book he's got. And I just ordered some, I, America, uh, I just ordered the DVD just, just moments ago. Right before showtime. But folks, I would urge everyone to go to his website. It's linked off of Hagman and Hagman.com or HagmanReport.com in the program description here as well. Uh, and I'm just going to read this very briefly. And it's this because this is so prescient, so timely for right now. And these are the words of Dinesh D'Souza in, in a recent speech at, uh, I think it was Liberty University. I'm not certain, but it's on his uh, website. But listen to this. Again, these are, this is from Dinesh D'Souza. You need to know that a vote for Hillary Clinton is a vote to swing the balance of the Supreme Court virtually irrevocably. Yeah, I can't, I can't even say that word. Yes, thank you so much, Joe. Against us. A vote for Hillary, yeah, I can't talk much. Yeah, a vote for Hillary Clinton is a vote not only, uh, is a vote to not only permit, but to bring in federal subsidies for abortion. A vote for Hillary is a vote to put religious freedom already precarious into a much more in, Dangered position because the checks and balances of what would normally block the government are themselves being eroded and you are voting for a regime in which justice becomes increasingly discretionary. Just ask him, folks. As, and he writes, or he states, as I saw terrifyingly in my own case, which is just, I mean, it angers me. Believe me, as a conservative Christian, I am angered at what happened to Mr. Dinesh D'Souza. But um, in Hillary's America, I think it's an illusion to think that we, as conservatives, as Christians, can retreat into our private spaces, drive our pickup truck to school or work, pray in church, and they will leave us unmolested. I'm going to stop there. I think that gives you a clear indication of what his sentiments are, and I totally agree. Folks, you've got to get his books, get the latest DVD, that's Hillary's America, and of course the links to uh, his website and the links to the DVD are on our website. Mr. Dinesh D'Souza, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thanks so much for agreeing to, to spend the rest of the hour with us. Uh, hey, I appreciate it. It's good to be on the show. Well, it's great to have you, sir. You're one of my favorite people. You don't know me, but uh, I'll tell you, I, I've, I've followed uh, I followed your career. I followed your 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 products, investigative work products, your research product products, and, and now this new film. Do you want to start by by just telling uh, our listeners about your about your film, Hillary's America? Sure. The film is an expose of the soul of Hillary Clinton and also of the Democratic Party. Um, Hillary is uh, best understood as a leader of a kind of gang, the Democratic gang. And this is important because although Hillary has shown that she has uh, is unscrupulous, she stays one step ahead of the law, 
She does all kinds of shady dealings. Uh, she and Bill have gone from zero to a couple of hundred million dollars on a government salary. So all of this is highly suspect. And yet the Democrats know this and they still push her forward. So Hillary's success tells us something about her, but it also tells us something about the people who are behind her, uh, who seem to be uh, somewhat unscrupulous like her. Well, indeed, you know, it's, it, I just, you know what, sir, I, how can, uh, you're speaking to a largely fundamentalist Christian, evangelical Christian audience. And I've heard people, I've heard from people, some members of our audience, but not many, say that uh, they're undecided as to who they would vote for, Trump or or Hillary. And a big thing is Trump's faults. But you spoke on that uh, on your on your website where you've got some uh, videos there. But but how would you respond to our audience with respect to the election today, given the choices between Trump and Hillary? Well, first of all, I would say that remember that we are, you know, we're not sitting in the last judgment here. We're making a decision about a public office. Uh, Hillary's offenses have all been against the public trust. Um, she was in charge of the State Department when Americans died in Benghazi. Uh, she was renting out American foreign policy to the highest bidder. Now, what Trump did, reprehensible though it is, is a private citizen on a bus a decade ago. And so this is something that Trump will have to answer for in his own life, but it's not the same thing as electing a public official or, in this case, a president. Understood. If we could, um, to get into to your book, uh, to your documentary, uh, best-selling documentary, uh, also congratulations on... Uh, you know the the fantastic uh, ability to get this film, Hillary's America: The Secret History of the Democratic Party, out there. I know it did uh, really well at the box office, and um, you know it's still climbing. Um, if we can get into just uh, some of the basics of the movie, one thing that you have in the description here, you talk about Hillary's America and how um, the Democrats have been working throughout you know history to get to the point where we're at now, what would you say uh, would be, if Hillary Clinton won the election, what do you see her doing in her first 100 days that would that could fundamentally change America? I mean, we know what she said. What, what do you see her doing since you have studied her and her tactics so, uh, so well? Well, the Clintons operate as a tag team, uh, as sort of partners in crime, and, you know, they did so many abuses when they were, when Hillary was Secretary of State. I mean, a small example is that Bill, Bill's speaking fee, which was about $150,000, and that's really high, but that's in line with other presidents, ex-presidents. But Bill's speaking fee quadrupled to about five hundred to $700,000 when Hillary became Secretary of State. So 
you know, we weren't born yesterday. Let's reflect on what this means. What this means is that people are paying bill, not not to speak. They're, they're making a down payment, a kind of a bribe, on something that they want Hillary to do. Now, just think about it. If this woman has been doing this in foreign policy, and we've never had a Secretary of State in 200 years of American history who has been corrupt at this level, um, think of what she would do if you actually give her the ultimate reins of government, where there really is no check or balance uh, working against her. The Justice Department would be under her thumb. Uh, it's very obvious that the FBI is under her thumb. So, in other words, what kind of um, what kind of ability would we as citizens have to make sure that she doesn't essentially loot the Treasury and turn America itself into something that is up for sale? Man, that's true. Uh, okay, right on. Um, now, Sir, we are, by profession, we are investigators. I've been an investigator for 30 years in the private sector for Fortune 100 companies. That said, and I've been dying to ask you this question off air, but I'm asking on air. From an investigative viewpoint, uh, or an investigative vantage point, if, if you were to task me with investigating Hillary and or Bill Clinton, I look at them as both being the same entity. Where would you tell me to start? What would be the start point right now um, to to uncover criminality, to uncover uh, the things that we're seeing, um, well, her vulnerabilities, we'll say, um, especially in light of recent uh, disclosures? Right. So the Clintons are all about um, power and they're all about money. And so a really good way to investigate them would be to follow the money. And I would simply look at all the money that has flowed into the Clintons and also the Clinton Foundation. Now, things are not what they seem. You can't say that because somebody paid Bill a $600,000 fee, that was, quote, a speaking fee. Because you've actually got to look at who is that person? What did they want when Hillary was Secretary of State? Did she actually deliver that? Now, this is very similar to investigating things like insider trading, where you basically figure out who made money, how did they get the information that enabled them to make money, and were they in a position to get that information illicitly? You know, if your brother is working, for example, for a law firm that's doing a merger deal, and he knows information that he tells you that you then use to profit from it, Now, the Clintons, of course, they just make the ridiculous argument that even though they received all this money and they did exactly what the donors wanted, that those two facts are unrelated. They just got the money and they accidentally happened to do what all these people wanted time and time and time again. But, you know, I think it takes someone of the unbelievable naivete, although I'm saying this slightly sarcastically, I don't think he's actually naive at all, of a James Comey to pretend like, oh gee, she was negligent over here and careless over there and she shouldn't have done this and she shouldn't have done that, but we really don't see any evidence that she intended to break the law. The people who take actions for their own benefit and circumvent the law are in fact breaking the law. And the very fact that Hillary set up this whole private email system, obviously she did it because she wanted to run a whole set of transactions out of view of public sight. Yeah, and, and 
you know, uh, there are a number of things you just said that are that are so important, and you know, the the money for access is one of them. Uh, another thing is so much of what you just said that were, once was dubbed conspiracy theory or you know, sex, sexist attacks on Clinton. Um, have now been proven true, specifically from the WikiLeaks Podesta email files and her own paid speeches. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure we hit on while we have you, I know we only got you for a short time, um, something that you cover in, in your movie. I, I want to go over two of Hillary Clinton's uh, mentors, her, her mentors, that being Margaret Sanger and Saul Alinsky. For people out there who might not understand the depths of of evil of Hillary Clinton, can you get into what her relationship and her admiration for these two were? Well, let's start with um, Margaret Sanger. Now, you know, Margaret Sanger lived in the early part of the 20th century, so obviously Hillary didn't know her. She admires the woman's legacy and what she stood for. She received the Margaret Sanger Award in Houston in 2009 and did this kind of eulogy to Margaret Sanger, saying that we should all admire her and we should fight for the cause that she fought for. Now, what was that cause? Well, you know, the conventional wisdom and the propaganda put out by Planned Parenthood, the organization she started, is, gee, Margaret Sanger was just all about spacing out your pregnancies. It's about how women should have control over their own reproduction. Well, actually, Margaret Sanger wasn't about that at all. It wasn't that she wanted, she thought the population was too big and people should have fewer children. She was, she actually had, had a racist view of this whole thing. And she thought that educated, light-skinned people should have more children, and, and uneducated, dark-skinned people should have no children, and that if they couldn't be persuaded to do that, they should be forcibly sterilized. Now, Margaret Sanger's work was so impressive to a group of people, namely the Nazis, that they used it for the basis of their sterilization laws. These are the sterilization laws that affected uh, delinquents and mental defectives and so on. Actually, this was before the Nazis even focused on the Jews. Um, And also, Margaret Sanger had something called the Negro Project, which was a basic project and plan to reduce the size of the black population in America, and she hired black ministers uh, to be her sort of missionaries, if you will, to the black community to convince people to limit their reproduction. This is Margaret Sanger. You think today that nobody would defend her, and people would think that this kind of eugenic philosophy, um, which has a Nazi edge or tinge to it, but no, Hillary knows all about this. She's not a fool, and she very self-consciously embraces Margaret Sanger. Um, Saul Alinsky is a little different because Hillary knew Alinsky. She met him in high school. She brought him to Wellesley College when she was a student there. So he was an actual mentor in the sense that I think he was instrumental in moving Hillary from being a kind of young conservative, a Goldwater girl in her teenage years, to becoming not only a left-wing radical, but essentially a crook like Alinsky himself. Right on the money. I I mean... Okay, and that's very succinctly uh, explained. Thank you so much. Now, one thing, again, because of the time factor here, we want to cover a lot. Your film, uh, did WikiLeaks, did the recent disclosures in totality, that vindicate, those vindicated your, your film, and it's, the, the, the leaks speak directly to the um, legitimacy, accuracy of your film, Hillary's America, isn't 
that's a pretty correct <laughs> statement, isn't it? Uh, yes, very much so, because the film makes certain, it gives a portrait of Hillary, and it describes certain things going on with the Democratic Party. And what the WikiLeaks revelations do is they fill out pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. Um, it, they, it shows that our theory about Hillary is absolutely right. For example, one of the themes of the movie is that although the Democrats have this sordid history of slavery, segregation, Jim Crow, the Democrats started and revived the Ku Klux Klan, the Democrats are the ones who lynched blacks in the South. It just goes on and on. They, they fought women's suffrage. They interned the Japanese Americans during World War II. This is their actual history. So the question I ask is, how, why don't we know this? Why isn't this in our textbooks? How, is it, how did it get covered up? And the answer is because the Democrats are kind of in bed with the media. They collude with the press. They also collude with mm -hmm. academia and Hollywood. But the media, in a sense, does their work for them. And the media covers up for Hillary. It covers the tracks of the Democratic Party. And so here we go. We open up the WikiLeaks emails and we see, sure enough, the Hillary campaign is colluding with the Boston Globe. They're colluding with the New York Times. They're colluding with, with George Stephanopoulos. Uh, and so what you have is a sense that the American people are not getting the full story because the press, whose job it is to be the sort of objective filter, or at least attemptedly objective filter, is sort of openly shilling for Hillary and the Democrats. That's just one example of how WikiLeaks is showing a central theme that is. The other is that the Democratic Party is the party of bigotry. I said that. And the Democrats go, well, that was a long time ago. That was before the civil rights movement. That's not who we are today. But again, you look at the WikiLeaks emails, look at the way that they talk about blacks, about Latinos. They even wanted to use Bernie Sanders' religion or lack of religion against him. Uh, and now the bigotry against Catholics and evangelical Christians, which is apparently the most fashionable type of bigotry in Democrat, Democratic uh, precincts these days. We as Christians are going to be hard pressed to, under a Hillary presidency. We're, we're going to see bigotry like we've never seen before. I suspect. Uh, Absolutely, I do suspect you agree with that, uh, just based on what you just said. You know, I used to think it was just a kind of radical secularism, and that really what the Democrats were against was religion in general. But now it seems very clear that that's not the case. And, and the clear example of this is that they say things about evangelicals and about Catholics that they would never dream of saying about Muslims. And so, essentially, it turns out that, the, that it's okay to be bigoted against evangelicals and Catholics, but it's not okay to be bigoted against secular people, uh, homosexuals and transgender people, or members of the Islamic faith. Yeah. Uh, kind of switching gears here, we got uh, about six, seven minutes left before the end of the interview. I wanted to to get into this topic. This has been a topic of discussion that we've been get, been getting into a little bit here on our show, and this is part of uh, something that you that came out uh, three months ago. It was an excerpt from your from your book. It talks about the Clinton Foundation and how they got rich off of the Haitian earthquake. Uh, 
scam that they pulled with the Clinton Foundation and all the money that disappeared from them. And then recently we saw Bill Clinton, you know, making pleas for Hurricane Matthew victims and for supporters to donate again to the Clinton Foundation's uh, Clinton Foundation in order to, you know, help Haiti with the Hurricane Matthew destruction. What have your findings been uh, pertaining to the Haiti earthquake fund with the Bill Clinton, uh, Bill, the Clinton Foundation? Well, this is something that has been. the information is out there. It's uncontested. It's actually well known to people in Haiti. There are regularly demonstrations outside the Clinton Foundation by Haitians saying, "Hey, Bill. Hey, Hillary. Where's the Haiti earthquake money?" Uh, remarkably, the press doesn't cover these or covers them in a very perfunctory way, uh, even though it's a very interesting story. Why? Because this is not a case of these Democrats being Robin Hood. I mean, they're not. They're not robbing from the rich. They're robbing from the poorest of the poor. These are people who, are, who need food and medicine and water. And, um, and what the Clintons did was they, they essentially maneuvered to put themselves in a position to intercept all this Haiti relief money. Bill got him himself appointed U.N. representative for the Haiti relief, and Hillary was Secretary of State. So the U.S. aid, the money from the U.S. taxpayer was flowing through Hillary. A lot of international money was flowing through Bill. And boy, this literally is like putting the fox in charge of the hen house. I mean, this is Bonnie and Clyde running the relief operation. So these guys were just looting the Haitians left and right. Uh, and, 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 and the only money that they gave away was actually contracts to their own buddies who were putting more money into the Clinton Foundation in appreciation. So, for example, they built some hotels on clean credit for creating jobs. But the hotels were in a completely different part of the island than was affected by the earthquake. So why did they build them there? Because they're, because donors of the Clinton Foundation wanted to make investments in Haiti and felt the business opportunities were better over there. So this is who the Clintons are. They're completely unscrupulous. Uh, and ultimately, even though they talk about, to listen to them, you think that all they cared about is doing good for others. But they've always managed to do really well for themselves. Yeah, that's you're exactly right. From dead broke to uh, my goodness, look at my bank account uh, kind of situation here. Um, here in the final moments, I've got we've got two questions for you. The the first one is we're just going to ask it, and, and and certainly we don't want to put you on the spot here, but kind of want to get your feeling about tonight's debate between Hillary Clinton and Trump. How you think that's going to play out? And and again, we're not going to hold you to anything, of course. And how you think oh, the, the election overall is going to play out? That's question number one. And then our my, my final our final question would be: How can we best help you, um, your efforts, in getting the word out and such? So if you want to take them in that order, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, let's talk about the debate first. I think that um, Trump is kind of like a fighter who's behind on points. Uh, He's made some mistakes along the way, uh, which have set him back. He's done well at times to recover from them. Uh, But I do think that he's trailing at this point. So he's the one who needs to be aggressive. He needs to be on the attack. And quite honestly, it would be he needs to go for a knockout if he can get one. Uh, And I think he can. 
Um, Hillary is not a very good debater. Um, if you can take her off her comfort zone, she gets very discombobulated. Um, and I think this is Trump's opportunity. Uh, Trump's weakness as a debater is that he's, he tends to make general statements and not support them with an army of illustrative facts. And, and so he needs to be well prepared tonight to be able to say not just that the Clinton, the Clintons are corrupt or the Clinton Foundation, but he needs to be able to hit with specific example after example that puts concreteness behind these statements and makes them extremely difficult to refute. Um, so I think it's possible that he will do this. I hope that he's been getting the preparation that he needs. He did much better in the second debate than the first one, but he needs to up the ante even more in the third debate. Understood. And then uh, totally agree with that. We're going to be watching and then monitoring the debate very carefully. Do you see if if the election were held next week or tomorrow, are we in trouble as Christian conservatives here with respect to uh, a potential uh, Clinton win here? I think so, because, um, well, I mean, I think if the election were held today, the Republicans would hold the House the Senate, a little precarious. I think the Republicans would probably hold the Senate, but I'm not sure about that. Um, and, and they would lose, the, and Republicans would lose the White House. Um, you know, Hillary is, is um, in some ways, I think, even worse than Obama. I mean, Obama is an ideologue, and he's been very destructive. But it's possible that Hillary could be, could be even worse. Um, the Supreme Court, as we know, hangs in the balance. Uh, so I think this is an important election. I, you know, I'm very, um, I feel it's very bad that there's been so much infighting among Christians and also within the Republican Party. It's absolutely preposterous to see Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, skirmishing with the Republican candidate Trump. Um, and this kind of thing obviously doesn't help. So one way that you lose is that your own team is divided while the other side is unified. Um, and I'm hoping that Republicans come to their senses at the last minute and realize that to stay home, to not vote, to stand on some, you know, I think, uh, rather peculiar idea of principle. Remember, we live in a fallen world. Even in the domain of foreign policy, we often have to ally with the flawed guy or even the bad guy to get rid of the worst guy. Think of how we allied with Stalin to get rid of Hitler in World War Two. Now, I'm not saying that... Trump or Hillary or Stalin and Hitler, but the, the example shows you that you have to pick the candidate who is better than the other one, although possibly not somebody that you would ideally choose, but you don't have the luxury of having some hypothetical third choice. Dinesh D'Souza, thank you so very much. How can people uh, help you? They can go to your website, order your DVD and book, is that correct? Yeah, the, the, the book and the DVD are both Hillary's America. Um, the DVD is available everywhere. It's in Sam's Club and Target and Costco and Walmart. You can digitally download it on iTunes or get it from Amazon. So, yes, get the film. It's really an eye-opening movie, and it couldn't be more timely for this election. And then if you like the film and you want to know more about all this, the book supplies kind of chapter and verse. So that's a really good place to start in becoming familiar with my work. Sir, God bless you. Thank you so much for your gracious gift of time tonight. We know you're a busy man. Hopefully you'll come back and visit with us again. And, folks, check out this documentary, Hillary's America, The Secret History of the Democratic Party. God bless you, my friend. Thank you, sir. 
Folks, that'll, that'll do, uh, that'll do it for this hour. Dinesh D'Souza, what a gracious man. What a great, great man of integrity and character. What a great documentary. Stay right where you're at. We're going to be right back with Carl Gallops. And welcome back, folks, to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Wow. What a day. Debate day, right? Trump v. Hillary. Hillary v. Trump. You know, it's, uh, it's political theater, but it's for the survival of our nation. We've got a tremendous guest, well, for the rest of the program. Uh, again, a, a man of character and integrity. Uh, just a, a, a tremendous guy. A, a best-selling author, a pastor, um, a man, a, a speaker. You know him. You know him. His name is Carl Gallops. He's been on our program before. He is on top of, well, he's at the tip of the spear. Let's just say that. As a Christian man, as a conservative Christian, the full meaning of, of that, he is at the tip of the spear. He's out there. He's, he's knowledgeable. He's informational. He's inspirational. He is really a guy that uh, we have a lot of respect for here at the Hagman and Hagman Studios. Before we bring Mr. Carl Gallops on, folks, I want to tell you that my sleep pattern has been revolutionized. I sleep like a baby at night, even in the worst of headlines, amid the worst of headlines. Why? Because of Casper Mattress. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. The mattress industry, folks, they've inherently forced us to well, to pay notoriously high markups. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings right to us. A Casper mattress pro- provides resilience, long-lasting supportive comfort. A Casper's mattress is one of a kind. It's a new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. And you know the cost? Uh, have you been mattress shopping lately? Mattresses can often cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost between $500 for a twin-size mattress and $850 for a queen-size. $950 for a king. You can't beat the price, and you can't beat the convenience either. Buying a cap Casper mattress is completely risk-free. Casper offers delivery and returns within a 100-day period. It's just that simple. Statistically, we lie in bed for... Um, uh, a third of our life. So you expect, people expect you to decide on a mattress with what, two or three minutes in a showroom? I don't think so. There's no correlation between trying a mattress out in a showroom and, and sleeping on a mattress. That's why Casper has turned the buying process into, buying process into a risk-free experience. They understand the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality you're going to spend, as I said, a third of your life on. It's an, just a tremendously obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It's got just the right sink, just the right bounce. Combining those two, two technologies, that latex foam and the memory foam, and together, the, it just creates such a great night and brighter, better days. Their risk-free trial and return policy. You try sleeping on a Casper for a hundred days. Free delivery, painless returns, you can't beat it. And you know what? They're made in America. Again, the price is 500 for a twin, 950 for a king, everything in between. You compare that to the industry's average. What an outstanding 
price point. Folks, get $50 off toward any mattress purchase by visiting Casper. Here, here's, here's where you go. Casper.com slash CFP radio. That's Casper.com slash CFP radio. And then enter the promo code CFP radio for $50 off toward any mattress purchase. That's Casper.com slash CFP radio. Use CFP radio to get $50 off toward your purchase of a mattress. You'll know you're in the right spot when you, when it says, uh, hello, Hagman and Hagman listeners. And by the way, try their doggy beds. Lady's got that on her Christmas list. Lady, the studio dog. And I have a feeling she's going to get up. But in the meantime, she sleeps right between my wife and I, and she loves it for paws up for Casper mattress. That's casper.com slash CFP radio, casper.com slash CFP radio. Carl Gallops is on deck right now. He, again, he's a man. I, I just, we just love Carl Gallops. Uh, he's the senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. He's been there since what, 1987. He's an Amazon top 60 best-selling author. He's a conservative talk radio host, heard nationally, internationally, and he's been doing it for the last 14 years, 15 years. He's a prolific uh, t- TV, uh, radio, print media guest. I mean, he's uh, he's a former department uh, or a former decorated Florida law enforcement officer. Yay! <laughs> he was appointed in 2016. Carl was appointed by Sheriff Joe Pyle as a special deputy with the Maricopa County, Arizona Sheriff's Office. Carl Gallops, welcome to the Hagman. Welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Oh, man, what an honor. Listen, to be invited one time was an honor. To be invited back is a surprise, <laughs> a pleasant <laughs> surprise. God bless you guys, and thank you for the gracious introduction as well. God bless you for that. It's great to well, be here. You know what, Joe and I were talking before the show, and and uh, you mean a lot to us. You know, your work is incredible. Your your new book, it's fantastic. Uh, we want you to talk about that. Um, when the uh, when the lion roars, understanding the impl- implications of ancient prophets of our time, and all of your works. I mean, every Christian, in my view, every conservative Christian should have your your books and, and read your books and listen to you because you've got so much information out there and, and we're just so pleased to have you so where in this mire of headlines this murky this murkiness this oiliness that, that everyone feels out there where do you want to start <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah. where do you want me to start brother uh, I mean do you want to start uh, in the prophetic realm do you want to start in the political realm the the importance of this election realm uh, I mean you My just, goodness, just, I just they talk all, to me they, they all combine don't they Well, uh, I, I, I think so you know, we've got a debate coming up here within within the, within the hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's start there. I mean, my goodness, uh, what are your thoughts on the debate? As Joe sits over there saying, "Hey, you know, let me talk or what?" But I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> hey, Joe. <laughs> hey, Carl. How's it going? Uh, doing great. Thank you, Doug and Joe. Thanks for having me on. Well, listen, this debate's certainly going to be interesting. I um this. Guys, there's so much. This this is such a complex time in which we're living. It's a very, we're living in very prophetic times. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Um, but look, this presidential election 
And I don't think that I, I've tested what I'm getting ready to say with a, 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 a quite a, a handful of very politically astute, biblically astute, and scholarly people. In fact, I was on an airplane last night with a PhD, a friend of mine who's a professor of history in a, in a college here in America, and he's connected to high people in Washington. And we were sitting side by side, coming back from a show we had taped, and um, we were on the airplane for two hours. And I just turned to him. I said, "Am I?" off base by saying you're, you're, you have a PhD in history and he knows American history in and out, world history as well but I said am I off base by saying this election is the most profoundly important, the most profoundly prophetic, if you will, connected to it. It, it is the most important uh, election in American history as well as perhaps world history this the outcome of this election can change the world now and he told me he looked at me dead serious i thought he was getting ready to say man you're an idiot he looked at me and he said you are exactly right and he said i'm telling you he said the only thing that really comes close to this in american history was the civil war election you know i mean you know we killed 660 uh, you know thousand of our own people of our own men and he said, but look, he said, this one, now we're a global community, if you will, connected by Internet, mass communication, information, transportation, technologies. And see, that's the difference, guys. That's the difference. We're the first generation in the history of, of humanity to live in this age of exponentially uh, um, uh, burgeoning um, uh, technology that connects the whole world. And so now we've got the globalists, the one world order people who can now, they have the technology, they have the ability to pull their their dream together of a one world order. And by the way, the Bible says that's going to happen in the last days. And so now we're watching the most powerful nation the planet has ever produced, the most powerful economic engine, and I, I know there's some debate over that right now, of course, but the most powerful military engine, the most powerful nation that offers prosperity, uh, the, the largest Christian nation the planet has ever seen, and we're watching the two people we have to pick from, both candidates flawed in so many ways, as we have debated over and over, but one is an avowed globalist who we know, we know her record for the last 30 years, we know her disdain, her utter disdain of course with these WikiLeaks emails coming out now, we know her utter disdain for the population, the populace, the general populace of America for the Constitution, for the Second Amendment, for the First Amendment, for our military, for our borders for our sovereignty and, and on the other side we've got a man who is just kind of Americana. And, and listen, as a Christian, I know he leaves a lot to be desired in a lot of people's hearts. I get that. But but we don't, right now, we don't have the luxury, really, of comparing candidates so much as we need to look at platforms and outcomes and implications. Because the other choice we have, beside this avowed globalist who has a record and all of the emails and the trail of, of, of devastation behind her, and her husband is Donald Trump, who kind of represents Americana. 
and and you know in, in corporate America and creating jobs and and he you know he wants to protect our borders he wants to vet actually vet who's coming in particularly from the Islamic countries since they're trying to use this refugee crisis as a as a Trojan horse and they brag about it and he wants to uh, he wants to reinvigorate our military he wants to reinvigorate our economy uh, he he wants to do something uh, drastic with this Obamacare nightmare. And on and on and on we can go. He wants to respect the Constitution. Hey, he picked an evangelical Christian as his vice president. He surrounds himself now with a board of of advisors from the from the conservative Christian community. Um, I mean, good gracious. We, on November the 9th, we're going to wake up and one of these two is going to be president-elect. And then, guys, don't forget, we still have the Electoral College to deal with. And, and and so I was talking with this PhD historian, and he said, "You know, you're right, Carl." He said, "This this is it. This may be it for America. This will be global, world changing. I mean, Supreme Court justices, federal judges down the pike. Uh, this is monumentally important. Have I made my case clear?" <laughs> yes, you absolutely have, and uh, I couldn't agree with you more on so many points. As you know, we know uh, the poison of Hillary Clinton. We know the as much progress as they call it, or you know, communist socialist dictatorship that they've brought through Obama. Uh, even after you know expanding on the Bush policies and, and PNAC, um, we know exactly what who Hillary Clinton works for, what she plans to do with this country, and how she plans to go about doing it. We know she has. No care whatsoever for the people uh, of this country. And one thing I said in the first hour is one of the things lacking from the, this these email leaks uh, is any conversation about how Hillary and her campaign can create plans to uh, bring back you know the manufacturing sector to help the middle class to help people in general. It all discusses how they're going to use people, how they're you know creating scandals and schemes and uh, you know. Utilizing their pay for play, and and yep. none of it's good. And we're seeing the inside of how she works for you know a period of years, as these emails date for years, and there is nothing in there. Once where I found that she says she wants to help, you know, people other than the people that pay her. Right. No. Listen, you've nailed it. When she when she gives her speeches. You know, of course, it's all about the little people, all about the working class, all about. But, but when you get into the into the heart of of who she is, from people who have leaked it out, and now the email leaks, and and people who have been close to her, who have kind of you know whistleblown on her, what we discover is what you just said. Listen, I, again, I, I was taping a, a show. It's going to go. It's on Christian television, international, national TV is going to be out, and I, I don't in the next week or so, but several episodes. And one of the things that the host was asking was, why is Obama doing this? Why is Hillary Clinton doing this? I don't understand. What were they thinking? And I just stopped and I said, guys, hold on. I said, let me just answer it with one sentence. I said, here's the, here, here's, here's the answer. When you find yourself scratching your head saying, what are they thinking? What are they doing? The answer is as simple as this. They are not for us. <laughs> if, you can, 
if we can get that through our head, Obama is not for us. Clinton is not for us. We can just go down the list. These people are not for us. They are not of us. They are for a globalist, new world, one world order. And, and you know, used to we could talk about that stuff, guys, and we were called conspiracy theorists. And we talked about, you know, Judge Justice Roberts. Did somebody get to him during the Obamacare? Well, now WikiLeaks, we've got them talking about it in the emails. They were bragging about it, how Obama lowered the boom on uh, uh, Justice Roberts. Since when does a president lower the boom on the Supreme Court? to get to transform the entire medical system of the United States of America in illegal ways. How does that happen? Well, there it is. You know, um, uh, we talk about globalism and one world order and disdain for the Constitution. Oh, we're conspiracy theorists. We're, we're nut jobs. We're, we're right-wingers. Now we've got <laughs> the emails and the whistleblowers saying, no, you guys have been right all along. And here's the deal. They are not for us. That's why they're do- They are for themselves. They are for the globalist utopia they hope to build, and they are using us. They're using the military might of the United States. They're using the economic engine of the United States. They're using the resources and the bounty and the blessing we have to 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 pull off what they desire. They can use our military might and our economic engine to bring other nations in line. And in the meantime, they're doing their very best to water down our culture, to divide us, because a united America is very difficult to bring down. But if you can get the blacks against the whites and the people against the cops and the cops against the people and the Hispanics against the blacks and the and the population against the Muslims and the Muslims against the population and get everybody scared of each other and everybody hating each other, we can't unite against the ones that are destroying us. They are not for us, guys. That's why we scratch our heads and say, what are they thinking? They're not thinking the way we're thinking. They could give a rip about our Constitution. They don't even care that we know what they're doing as long as we can't prove what they're doing, you see. It's just like some of these undercover videos, you know. They they don't really so much care. Just like the guy that was on the video that was running his mouth yeah. about how they've, you know, been doing this for 50 years, the fraud and the corruption and the election. He had no problem bragging about it, boasting about it. What their problem is, they didn't know they were being videoed, so now that it can be proven, these people are not one of us. They are not for us. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Makes very much sense. And while we have about seven minutes before the uh, segment break, uh, and we're talking on the election, I wanted to get your opinion on this, if we could. The what do you see in the future for the uh, relations here domestically uh, between the citizens? For one, a Hillary Clinton win, or two, a Donald Trump win? Yes. Are we looking at civil unrest? Uh, regardless yeah. of who wins, are we looking you know, at? Go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, I, you finish your question. I thought you were finished. Go ahead. No, no. I, that that's about it. Okay. Well, as a matter of fact, Joe, we I was having that same conversation with this Ph.D. historian, college professor, uh, who is a Christian, by the way, a believer. Last night on the airplane, 
we were together for two hours, and that was one of the things that he brought up to me. He asked me the same question, and I said, "Well, <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, and I don't have a you know I don't have a word from God on this necessarily, maybe an inkling in my spirit." But I said, "I I, I have a, a a a bit of tightness in my chest that either way this goes, there's going to be civil unrest. Um, mm. If Hillary Clinton pulls this off." The the I mean Trump himself has been saying the system's rigged the system's rigged it's filled with fraud it's filled with fraud and so we watch him go anywhere he wants in the United States and he'll draw a crowd of ten thousand twenty thousand thirty thousand people she goes to selected hot spots for her agenda she thinks and she draws three hundred four hundred five hundred people I mean you know That's I right. mean over and over and so we see. We see the outrage. We see that people want a wrecking ball in Washington like a Donald Trump to clean this thing up. We see it. We see the national outpouring. And yet we see the media saying every day, oh, she's ahead, she's ahead, she's ahead. And we hear the pundits and the media is just so in their back pocket. And so if, it, if she wins, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there is going to be some outrage. I mean, I, I pray not. I don't want to see that. I, I would hate to see the kind of violence like we had in the Civil War days. That would be horrendous. But I, I, I'm afraid that if, if they steal this election and it's so obvious that it has been done, I think it's going to be horrible. On, on the other hand, I think if he wins... There's the the media has built up so much hatred towards him, a lot of it predicated on absolute falsehood. Um, I think there's going to be civil unrest there as well. I, I I pray that I'm wrong, but I I see some civil unrest almost almost either way this goes. You, you know, Carl, um, we had a staff meeting here early 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 today, and that question was. We asked that question here among the staff, and it's interesting to hear you validate just what what was said today. Um, I, I truly believe it's the intent of the globalists, and, and I think this is our collective belief from from the Hagman Studios here. It, it, it's our collective belief that that the globalists will attempt to marginalize or or. Um, to, to attack the legitimacy of the elections if Trump wins. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's kind of a given. But if Hillary wins, and, and I truly believe, given the barometer of the people, I, you know, I, uh, just very quickly here, cause I know we're, we're coming up to the bottom of the hour, but, uh, just, just a quick story for people who didn't catch this before. My stepson had, uh, put up, uh, it's kind of a, Kind of a funny joke, but but not really a joke. One of the largest Trump Pence 2016 signs, I I believe, in in my community. He put it up in our front yard. I mean, it's like you know, it's a huge sign. And, and th- this is the first time I've ever had any political signage anywhere for any election for the last 40 years. All right. So you know, but, but having said that, uh, now. Pennsylvania is a democratic state, heavily democratic state, and of course the um, it's, it's based on the population areas. Erie, Pennsylvania is where uh, we we reside and we operate from. So it's so a very democratic area, uh, locally and nationally. But having said all of that, I've had people come to my door, ask me where, and it was only on Sunday, 
But in my home, I've had people come up and say, hey, where'd you get that sign? They're on back order for two weeks. I can't get a sign like that for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so I've never, I, I guess I said that because I'm looking at this and, uh, uh, the excitement for Trump is huge. Yeah. I, I think he's yeah. pulling in the numbers. But yeah. if I, it, Hillary, but, but, but see, if Hillary wins, do you think that the Christian conservatives or the, the conservatives or the Republicans, whatever class or whatever group, do you think that there will be any revolt? I mean, actual revolt and saying, hey, we demand a recount here? I mean. Well, guys, I mean, all we're doing is speculating right now. You're asking me what I think. I mean, I kind of smell that possibility in the air. But, but, but do you remember uh, about a week ago there was a headline on Drudge, not the headline, but one of its, its, its top uh, stories, that in Pennsylvania, 100,000 Democrats have switched to Republican for this presidential election. Did you see that? Uh, yes, I did. I did not. Yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah, it was on Drudge. So, so what you're saying, I mean, you know, what you guys are living and experiencing, I mean, that, that was in the headlines. It's actually happening. And so that's the point that we're all making is that you, see, we see these things happening in this, you know, signs on back, or there are no Hillary signs on back order. There are not 30,000 people showing up at her rallies. There are not hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Republicans switching to Democrats so they can vote for Hillary Clinton. I mean, that, it's, that's not happening. The opposite is happening. So you're right. If Hillary, you know, wins it, steals it, you know, corrupts it, uh, you know, frauds it and goes in, I mean, what, what's going to happen? Well, you asked about Christians and conservatives. Well, that's not all who's supporting Trump. There are former Democrats who are supporting Trump. There are former Bernie Sanders people who are supporting Trump. So, you know, I doubt if many of the true blue Jesus-loving, church-going Christians are going to take to the streets with, you know, civil disobedience if Hillary wins. Um, but, but that's not. I mean, there are people supporting Trump who are absolutely, desperately berserk about wanting him to go in because they see him, humanly speaking. Now we get in all the biblical and prophetic stuff later, but humanly speaking, they see him really as. Our one last chance, because if he doesn't go in and she does go in and immediately starts, you know, her appointments of Supreme Court justices and federal judges and and all of the corruption that's already in her background and the and, and, and the blackmailing and the lying and oh my gosh, her her international connections, her connections in Saudi Arabia. I mean, there are people saying if if this happens, we're done, we're toast, it's over. And that's so. Right. If they feel Carl, like they've been defrauded of it, then, yeah, I think there's going to be some trouble. Carl, we're coming up against the break. Folks, you're listening to Carl Gallops. Go to his website, carlgallops.com. Uh, grab his new book, When the Lion Roars. Also, check out Freedom Friday with Carl Gallops, uh, live each Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can get that right on the left-hand side of his website. Uh, there and make sure you bookmark his website and sign up for his social media network from YouTube to Facebook and others. We'll be right back with Carl Gallops after these short messages. Stay with us.
Northwest Pennsylvania, our very special guest, Mr. Carl Gallops. What a guy. Folks, follow him on Facebook as well and all, all social networking via his website. Um, how about When the Lion Roars? Carl Gallops, is, is, this is a review from Pat Boone. Now, I I don't want to say I know Pat Boone, but I've I've talked with Pat Boone. Um and I've found him to be an incredibly intelligent, very well-versed uh, man that knows. I mean, you know, he's just incredibly uh, well-versed in, in in Christianity. And, well, he writes this. He, he says, Carl Gallops is an author who has the well-recognized gift of making complex topics understandable and enjoyable to study. In When the Lion Roars, now this is Carl Gallops' new book here, he has done it once again. You will soon discover what so many seem to be missing these days. With every turn of the page, you will become increasingly convinced that we are living in the most profoundly prophetic days since Jesus Christ first walked the earth in the flesh. Captivating, relevant, essential. And, and I second those or that review as well. That's from Pat Boone about our guest's book, When the Lion Roars. Mr. Gallops, if you want to just... Uh, uh, mention if you start out this this segment here talking about your book, that would be uh, that'd be okay with us because we find it's a it's a fantastic book. Uh, so have at You're it. Very kind. Yeah, thank you. I well, this book is near and dear to my heart. Um, it comes out of my thirty thirty five years of direct ministry and preaching and teaching the word, and then just being a student of history and a student of current events, current affairs, uh, geopolitical events, and. Uh, and of course, you know, I do a lot of media, so I, I I I don't claim to be an expert on any of these things, but but I have to kind of be up and well versed on what's happening in the world, at least to a conversational expertise. And and so, given all of that, I, it just it just really has been burning in my soul for several years, as I believe, and millions of others like me around the world believe that we're watching. The prophecies of the Word of God concerning the soon coming of the Lord. And for your audience, I am not a date setter. I'm not a hand ringer. I'm not a sensationalist. And a lot of stuff in my book is sensational, but it's, I'm just letting it be what it is. I mean, the headline news, mainstream media are reporting these things, and the Word of God predicted them. I don't over sensationalize them. I'm not a hand ringer. I don't go around, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, it's all coming to an end. Oh, woe is me. No, I enjoy life. I encourage Christians and folks to get on with life, the church. We've been raised up for such a time as this. These are exciting times, profoundly prophetic times, and God is counting on us to advance the kingdom in the midst of these times, and he's giving us the ability to do it. Uh, Doug, look what you and Joe are, are doing. You know, look what God's allowing me to do. Look what we're doing together, and that's just the three of us. Can you imagine all the other people that he's raised up? So these are profound times, but what I wanted to do with this book it's, 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 is to put something out there that's unlike anything else in the, quote, prophecy market right now. I didn't want this to be just another book that says, all right, here's my way. Here's the chart. Here's the graph. Here's the map. Here's my interpretation of prophetic scriptures from top to bottom, and, 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 and here's how it's going to unfold. I don't do that with this book. What I do is, is I say, all right, look, what were the major prophecies in the scriptures and when I sat down to write this, guys, I had six or seven in mind. As as you know, if you've read the book or at least scanned it, now, by the time the book was done, I've got a couple of dozen 
of these markers, I call them prophetic markers, that I discovered in the scriptures that that the prophets in the Old Testament, and then of course the New Testament, and out of the mouth of Jesus himself, John and Paul being prolific prophets in the New Testament, they said, look, here are the markers, here are the markers, and it's going to come, like Daniel said, like a flood. It's going to come down to a pinpoint. In a certain generation, these things are going to build on one another, and that generation can't help if it has any spiritual discernment at all, to miss the fact that they are an extremely prophetic generation, perhaps the one before the coming of the Lord. And so what I did, I said, look, ever since Israel came back in the land in 1948, I mean, that was a time clock. The, the, the clock started ticking. I mean, that, that was something that had to happen. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, conservative uh, commentators and Bible scholars looked at those prophecies and said, you know, I mean, the majority of them, guys, they said, gosh, there's no way that can happen. The Jews have been scattered for 2,500 years. They, they, they're in different countries. They speak different languages. They, you know, the, the, the Palestine is controlled by various nations and, and alliances and eventually the United Nations. I mean, there's no way. you got the Arab-Muslim-Jewish uh, uh, thing going on in there. There's no way there can ever be an Israel. And so they said that, well... Maybe there will be an Israel when Jesus returns. Maybe that's when it's going to be. But no, those prophecies were meant literally, and then it happened. But watch, 1948, Israel returned. Well, that's been a little less than 70 years. But, but, what has happened since then? Oh, my gosh. Israel returns. Then Jerusalem is in the possession of Israel. Then all of the technologies in the Bible necessary for 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 uh, the prophetic things uh, spoken of in the word of god to come to pass i mean it speaks of a one world marking system guys that was given 2000 years ago a, you know that everybody will receive a mark um that everybody will worship this this antichrist that the whole world will see him that there'll be an image uh, uh, erected that will be caused to come to life and and i mean on and on and on the the information transportation uh communication technologies that are foretold in the bible they're all here they're all here. They're all in place. And the United Nations Agenda 2030, I've got this in my book, and I've got it documented. They're actually bragging, and you can read their words in my book. They are saying by the year 2030, which is only 13 years away, they're going to have every man, woman, boy, and girl on the planet marked. And they've got the biotechnical companies already signed up and on board to do it, and they're bragging about it. They're working towards their global initiative. And, I mean, this is stuff right out of the Bible. In the meantime, look what's happening in the Middle East. Russia is in the Middle East, in Syria. I mean, that's as prophetic as you can get. On top of that, China's in the Middle East, and they're supplying troops to Russia. And they're in Syria. On top of that, Russia is in alliance with Persia, which is Iran. And they're, you know, using military bases, and they're in nuclear agreements with them. On top of that, Turkey is becoming an Islamic caliphate. 
And Turkey is now in talks with Russia, and now they're beginning to coordinate things. In the meantime, the Western powers, the United States, of course, being directly opposed to all of that. And in the last week, there's been continual threats and saber-rattling and talks of World War III and Putin telling his population to find nuclear shelters and calling his dignitaries and citizens home and because there's going to be nuclear war. Turkey, just in the last day or two, said, look, we're getting ready to have World War III over here. The Pope has already said has said that we're already in World War III. It's already started. I mean, I could go on and on. Look at the technologies, guys. Transhumanism, uh, genetic engineering, CRISPR-Cas9 technology, I talk about in my book. I mean, the largest Christian nation the planet has ever seen has just decreed by law that we don't know what a marriage is anymore. I mean, I could go on and on and on. The rise of ISIS, the extinction, extinction of Christianity in the Middle East, um, the, the, the collapsing of borders of world superpowers in Europe and in the United States. I mean, this is stuff of, of tremendous, profound prophecy. And if you noticed, almost everything, well, everything I said has happened since Israel's been in the land. It has happened in the last 70 years. But most of what I just said has only happened in the last five or ten years, and a lot of what I just said has only happened in the last year or two. So, I mean, it's it's coming upon us. And now, look at this presidential election. Look at the prophetic connection here. Look at the profound uh, possibilities of a globalist uh, president woman with all of her baggage and past and co- dubious connections and the criminal enterprise that she and her husband have run and are running or a Donald Trump that might give us a breath of breathing room who knows I mean you know so you put all that in the mix and here's what I say the lion is roaring guys <laughs> and that and that title by the way comes from uh, Amos chapter 3 uh, verse uh, verses six and eight, and and verse seven and eight says this: Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing His plans to His servants. And then He goes on. He says, "The lion has roared; who will not fear? The sovereign Lord is speaking; who cannot prophesy?" And so that's the title of my book: When the Lion Roars, and it's roaring. And all I'm trying to do is just wake up the church, wake up Christians, wake up pulpits and pews and get people to see these prophetic, profoundly prophetic times in which we're living. We're living in the most profoundly prophetic times since the first coming of Jesus Christ, just like Pat Boone said. And uh, and, I, and, and I'm trying to get uh, the church to see these times so that we can redeem this time and make the best of it for advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Thanks for letting me give that overview. Well, no problem. I mean, the, the this book is, as you point out, I mean, and is validated by many other luminaries like Pat Boone. Incredibly important work, and it's interesting because it, within that book, um, I found it really interesting. Right in the in the, in the beginning section, uh, the um, dreams of an apocalypse, uh, you know, a twenty sixteen apocalypse. But yeah. even more importantly than that. You're right. The whole world is on edge. And that's kind of, everyone is on edge. Everyone is yes. expecting, you know, something yes. to happen. Yes. Our spirits are being stirred, aren't they? I mean. Yes, they are. Yes. No, I, I think there's a, I call it's the spirit of the time. The Germans have a word for it, zeitgeist, the spirit of the time. It's the spirit of the time. We're, we're the only generation in human history that can accurately be called the generation of world wars. 
I mean, there's been two world wars, and many experts and political leaders and the Pope himself say, we're, and we're already in the beginning stages of World War III. So our historical generation, less than 100 years ago, World War One, then World War Two grows out of that. Then... World War Three, and some could say it grew out of World War Two. <laughs> and the New York Times actually wrote an article a year and a half ago, and I have all this document in my book. They said that where we are in the Middle East right now, right down to Arab Spring, ISIS, and, and the collapsing of borders and the refugee problem can all be traced back to the Gulf War and Saddam Hussein's invasion of Kuwait. And then, of course, we know all of the intricate, complex connections to how did Saddam Hussein get in place and who put him in power and what's all that connected to. And Oh, my gosh, guys. I mean, th this is the stuff of prophecy. We are living in a time when people all over the world, even people who don't know the Word of God, people, and it, it, they know that something is happening, and people ask Christians, they ask me all the time, is this biblical? Is this prophetic? Does the Bible speak of this? I mean, all over the world, when people find out I'm a Christian, they'll ask me these things. Then when they find out I'm a pastor, boy, they inundate me. But here's what's important, guys. No one ever asks, wow, does the Quran say anything about this? Hey, do the teachings of Buddha say anything about what's happening in the Middle East? Uh, do, do the Hindu Vedas uh, writings, anything in there about that? Is there anything in the, in, in the stars and the horoscopes about this? Uh, no. People who don't even read the Bible or, or set foot in a church, one of the first questions they ask, guys, is, is this biblical? Is this prophetic? What does the Bible say about this? I'm telling you guys, all of the world, people sense that something is not quite right. People sense we're on the edge of something really big and perhaps not too good happening soon. Again, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not screaming the sky is falling. I'm just agreeing with you. And it's not us saying this. I mean, we're, I'm just reporting that people all over the world are talking about it, dignitaries. That's true. Very true. Now, now do, you, do you see um, people will often, will often tell me or say to me, "Well, you know, we can't change prophecy," and I understand that we, you know, we can't change prophecy, but we can occupy, of course, as we are instructed. Now, do you see with the elections coming up? Is it, because uh, the American elections, to me, I think are. Uh, they set the tempo, the pace for the rest of the world. Do you see a quickening with 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 Hillary? Uh, and I suspect you obviously do, or, or a, a reprieve perhaps with Trump. Is is that yeah. possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the here's what I think is the balanced biblical answer to that. Of course, in the end of it all. It is going to come to the culmination that God has declared. I mean, it is in his hands. It is in his timing, his direction. It is at his command. There, there's no doubt about that. I mean, again, there's no other book in the world that foretold the coming of the Christ, the going to a cross, re resurrecting from the dead, but the Bible. No other book in the world that foretold the, the return of the nation of Israel. No other book in the world that foretold that when that nation came back, that Jerusalem would be in possession, and that a coalition of nations, this is in Ezekiel 38 and uh, you know, Psalm 93, that a certain coalition of nations in the last days, driven by a religious spirit, all of them Islamic now, by the way, would come against Israel in the last days. And I could just go right on down the line. No other book in the world except the Bible. But, so that same word of God 
that's telling us what is going to happen, and we're watching it happen. That's what my book is about, When the Lion Roars. That same word of God, we also hear God say, do I not, will I not reveal to my servants first what's going to happen? And then, you remember before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, should I not tell my servant Abraham? And he did, and then Abraham prayed to him, spoke to him, said, Lord, if there's 50 people in Sodom and Gomorrah that still serve you and love you, would you spare it? And the Lord said, yes, I would. I mean, I mean, you get the sense from the Word of God, there are ebbs and flows, it's going to go where God says it's going to go, but in the meantime, He works through His people, He works now, of course, through his, the church, the blood-bought, spirit-filled church, and through the prayers of His people, and through the engagement of His people. This is why He said, look, you are the salt, you are the light, so the world is going darker in your day, then turn up the light. That's why you're there. So the world is losing its flavor. It's rotting to the core. Then pour on the salt. That's why you're there. And then Jesus said, by the way, if the salt loses its saltiness, it will be trampled underfoot. Guys, that's a huge part of my ministry is saying to the the salt and the light, the church, the the body of Christ, Christians, don't give up. Don't grow weary of doing good. Get engaged. Stay engaged. Vote. Be a part of the system while we have that gift. Get some breathing room. Keep moving forward. Keep winning people to Christ. Quit disengaging because your your salt is losing its saltiness and we're being trampled underfoot. So, yes, to answer your question, I think there are ebbs and flows. I think God works through the prayers of his people. We don't know the day or the hour when it's all going to culminate. And uh, But in the meantime, we're watching the Middle East explode in persecution and tribulation and devastation. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, by the hundreds of thousands, are on the run, even tonight, being slaughtered, killed, raped, uh, murdered, beheaded, burned alive, drowned in cages. I mean, it just, the atrocities go on and on. And and we're sitting back in America saying, well, you know, the coffee shop's open tonight, and the football game's on TV, and so everything's right with the world. And, and I'm saying it's not. Our borders are broken. The economies of the world are collapsing. The Middle East is on fire. Israel is going to soon be surrounded completely by all of its major enemies. Russia's in the Middle East. China's in the Middle East. Turkey's becoming an Islamic caliphate again. I mean, and I'm just saying, yeah. guys, listen, get, in, get involved. Get engaged. Do not disengage from this. Um, so... I know that's a long answer to your question, no, but, uh, but people ask it all the time. It's a good question. Well, it, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 we're living these times, and of course, there's apprehension, there's excitement on one end. I mean, we 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 know what what times we're living in. We know how the story ends, but we know that there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road to get there. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned the you mentioned the Middle East, and of course, right now we've seen that this massive escalation. I, I would call it massive. In uh, in the Middle East, specifically Syria, uh, I was in contact with Dave Hodges, who's got some really good. Uh, uh, he's got some good uh, contacts with with the mili- within the military, and they had said over the last several days things have really ramped up, changed, uh, where there's a lot of activity taking place. Um, what do you see next in your analysis of events, Syria, Russia, United States? I mean. Uh, any, any, no, I'm not asking for any, any prophetic or predictive, anything predictive, but 
based on your research, yeah. what do you see taking place now uh, in Syria geopolitically? Well, Okay. Well, I, you know, I, and I write about this in my book, and I and I don't try to be predictive. I don't claim to be a a prophet with unique word from God. But uh, again, I'm a student of history. I know World War One took four decades before the lid finally blew off. I mean, it built and simmered, and there were battles by proxy, and you know, it, it, and then eventually the lid blew off. Uh, World War Two. 21 years, less than 21 years after World War I was over, World War II, finally the lid blew off. But there were two decades of that building and fomenting coming out of World War I. So that's why people like the Pope are looking at this and saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is so complex. It is so massively messed up over there now that... This is the beginnings. This is the making. That's why they're saying we're already in World War III because they're seeing the same pattern. So in answer to your question, I don't have a direct word from God, but I can just say that these things can ebb and flow. flow. I'm praying, of course, for some cooler heads to prevail, for some peace to prevail. But, but guys, the war, in, I mean, what's happening in Syria right now is indescribable. I mean, I, I talk about that in my book. The military and historical and geopolitical experts, the people on the ground over there are saying, this is so complex it can't even be described. Therefore, we don't see any way that it will ever be solved. Now, that's horrendous. And then when you consider that Russia now has planted itself in the middle of it and said, yeah, and we're the number two superpower in the world, and we're going to plant ourselves in the middle of an indescribable, unsolvable mess. And now we're going to ask help from China, <laughs> the number three superpower in the world, nuclear superpower. And it becomes even more indescribable. In the meantime, we've got all these Muslims and the factions fighting against each other to gain control of that area. And... Everything that's happening in Turkey and the wranglings going on with Turkey and Russia and then now Russia and Iran and then our nuclear agreement with Iran, which everybody's so upset with, and Obama. And then the fact that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama actually instigated and initiated Arab Spring. And Syria civil war is a direct result of Arab Spring. And now we're putting troops, United States troops, in Syria, I mean, it was in the headlines just yesterday, I think. Some, we're sending Marines over, boots on the ground. That's right. So, so, guys, I mean, this thing has the potential for the lid to blow off. It has the potential for World War III. And I, again, I'm not crying chicken little, the sky's falling. I'm just calling it like it is. It has that potential. Um, and, and, and I'm going to tell you something else prophetically. Before any of this happened in the Middle East... There were Bible scholars and commentators writing about the last days, and they were wondering how how could somebody rise up to be a leader of the world in an antichrist way such that the whole world would worship this guy. They would thank him. They would want to take a mark in his honor, so to speak. Uh, and people looked at that, and they said, well, the world probably would have to be on the brink of something absolutely devastatingly catastrophic like it had never seen before and then this guy rises up with the solution and the whole world goes wow now we have the peace and safety this guy is deserving of our honor and finally they begin to say actually he's deserving of our worship and then they begin to say 
you know what? He might even be the Messiah. And there mm-hmm. he is. And so I'm saying we're looking at a situation that could actually bring on something like that. No, you're exactly right. And looking at the uh, state of the world, looking at the changes in the geopolitical landscapes from the um, Western planned PNAC to disrupt and overthrow these countries in the Middle East to the execution of that through the Arab Spring, we know that this agenda, this evil agenda, spans presidencies and presidents and will continue to do so until they get their one world order in place, which is encompasses a one world religious system, one world economic system, and a one world political system, which all will be intertwined into one system that will eventually roll out the mark of the beast and be headed by the Antichrist. And it should not be a surprise to anybody. Nobody should take this and and, and shudder in fear as the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, we already know the answers to, to these questions that uh, about the, the future. We just don't know how we're going to get to our end, uh, right. which is a relatively minuscule detail in the grand scheme of things. Right. And if there was ever a time in history, the time is now where all things are converging, that we see from the scriptures, that we see from the uh, the Old Testament prophets, that we were told in the New Testament about the last days, how they would look, what the people's attributes, behaviors, mindsets would be. All this is on the table, from the abortions to the uh, homosexual marriages and the legalization of immoral behavior, the turning away from God in the public schools, in the military, and all other public venues to the point where the word will be illegal uh, like it is in Saudi Arabia to have in public and we are moving closely towards that point and you know when you ask if Christians how can Christians uh, be in a world when all this is going on they can't they're going to have to live in the wilderness or they're probably going to be martyred for their faith folks we are at the top of the hour break we are coming into a close of our fourth segment in hour two we have one more hour left with Carl Gallup's Folks, visit his website, carlgallops.com. Check out his radio show, Freedom Friday Radio with Carl Gallops, each Friday. And you can find that on his website, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And, and Joe, i got to tell you, right now, uh, Carl Gallup's book, When the Lion Roars, is number one, the Kindle format, number one in the category of Christian uh, 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 Christian prophecy books. And it's ranked really high. It's in the top, uh, the top, really top one percent um, as well overall. So, folks, go to Amazon.com. When the lion roars, we're going to be right back. Stay right where you at. Tonight is debate night. You've got Trump v. Clinton. Where else but in Vegas, right? <laughs> I mean, the script almost writes itself. It's going to be starting. We've got with us 
uh, Carl Gallup's pastor, author, speaker. Uh, I'm going to tell you, Carl Gallup's is is at the tip of the spear in terms of uh, really deciphering where we're at prophetically, the current events, geopolitically, domestically, of course. We're, we're going to be talking about the debate. We've got, uh, folks, you've got, trust me when I tell you this, the highlights of the debate will be replayed, played and replayed, but we're going to keep our eyes on this and, and even talk with Carl as uh, as necessary or as required or as uh, warranted as the debate goes on. It's interesting that we're doing this, but but you know, Folks, before we get back to Carl, I've got to tell you this. Uh, I want to welcome our new sponsor, Quip, Q-U-I-P, getquip.com. That is getquip.com slash CFP radio. Let me show you this. This, I, we, I got this. Now, again, understand folks, we do not endorse or have a sponsor or as a sponsor as anyone we don't, uh, any product that we don't believe in or use ourselves. And as you can tell, this is a little bit wet because, uh, I, I use this. This is a toothbrush. This is, this is the Quip toothbrush. Now you might think, uh, who, what? I buy my toothbrushes at the, you know, my desk gives me a toothbrush or I, I've got a water picker. I've got this, whatever you might have. Let me tell you something. This is the best toothbrush I've ever used. And I, I'm not saying that lightly. This is one of the, a one of a kind in my view toothbrush. This is an amazing, amazing product. It is, um, it is a sleek design. It's, it's just, it's got the right feel to it. And it is electric. Okay. You press a button here. You can't really see this, but it, it really vibrates at, at a high rate of speed. Now, some people think, oh, you know, uh, stronger brushing the better or whatever techniques. No, Quip makes it simple. Okay. It's very simple. It's a simple process. No, no gimmicks, no flowery gimmicks or whatever. This is, uh, this is the unit. And I don't know, you can hear it almost, but, but, uh, it really invigorates your mouth. Now, Again, uh, Quip is a modern, what this is, is a modern oral care brand that designs, has designed this beautiful electric toothbrush and delivers affordable brush heads every three months. But a lot of people don't do this. A lot of people don't, don't replace the brush heads, this part of the, the toothbrush and when they should or replace their toothbrushes. But in this case, Quip makes it extremely easy for you to do that. Folks, for years, we've been sold myths, these, these flowery things that the more powerful, the, the, the more colorful, the more full featured technical your toothbrush, the better the clean. Well, unsurprisingly, most of these features are useless gimmicks that are designed to improve profits, not oral health. The truth is perfect oral care is not that hard, not that complex. The simple secret to greater oral health is good technique, consistent routine, and regular upkeep. So Quip was designed to guide these good habits by using good design, not gimmicks, and they give you straightforward dental uh, tips. Folks, smart accessories that come with this. Whoever designed this, man, you're talking about a great design. It's got a wall mount. Uh, you can press against any glossy surface like a, like a mirror. It can stick and unstick, re-stick like a suction cup. There's a slide. Uh, you can just slide the electric uh, quick brush into the mount, and voila, there you are. Toothpaste tubes with a guide how much to use, the portion size to use. And you think, well, you know, look, I don't need anyone to tell me this, but it's really simple just to keep track, to monitor your your dental care. And I got to tell you, I, I take it to my dentist 
uh, to show him, and he loved it. He loved it because I had some extensive dental work done. And let me tell you something. When you have extensive dental work done, that's a lot of money. So you want to take care of your investment. And, of course, there, there you have it. And if you travel a lot, they make this wonderful. You can flip the quip upside down into the cover. You peel it from the wall, take it to work on a trip, so there's no excuse not to brush more. Eighty percent of us, folks, really quick, they, we forget to replace our brush or brush heads. Every three months, Quip sends you fresh supplies to refresh. Swap in your brush head with fresh, soft bristles and a rechargeable battery, and you're good to go. It's got just a gorgeous design. It's slim design, premium materials, color options. Quip matches your modern lifestyle to help transform brushing from a chore to a ritual. And they uh, Quip's refill plan ships free worldwide, and you can cancel anytime, folks. My wife and I both use this toothbrush. And again, you might say, Wait, why are you so excited about this? Well, I've gone from, I mean, my, my, I've gone from, uh, uh, coffee stained chiclets to really, a, a really great smile. And boy, it leaves you, your mouth feeling very clean, very fresh. Getquip.com. That's getquip.com slash CFP radio. And you know what they did? Uh, for, they're offering $5 to Hagman and Hagman listeners uh, to get $5 off using promo code CFP Radio. So go to getquip.com slash CFP Radio and use CFP Radio as the promo code for $5 off of your purchase. Again, that's getquip.com slash CFP Radio and the promo code CFP Radio. Folks, you're you're going to love this. Give it a try getquip.com slash CFP radio. I love it. My wife loves it. And uh, Eric the Tech said, you know, he, 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 where's mine? Uh, there he is. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Eric. And our guest, in the, guest right now is Mr. Carl Gallops. You talk about, uh, you, t- you talk about guys with a great smile. Uh, ch- check him out on his website. And of course, check out his, uh, his videos. Joe, you were saying you watched a video of, of Carl's here. Well, what it did was uh, there is on his website, if you scroll down a little bit, there are stories that are scrolling across the site. Yeah. And one of them really caught my attention. It uh, dealt with the third temple in Jerusalem. Will the third temple be built? And I think the after that it said, is it in the Bible or is it biblical? Can we start there, Carl? <laughs> yeah. So you really want to stir things up, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. You know, Very during the curious. break, during the break, Joe said we got about five emails asking about this. Should I ask him? And I said, Yeah, let's get it. So yeah, let's uh, let's rock and roll here. Yeah, well, okay. I'll try to give the short answer. The danger with this is this really, truly. I've 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 done teachings on it uh, where I would take several hours of doing the teaching, and then we'd open up for questions and answer questions because this is such a controversial topic. Look, it's just like you know the timing of the rapture. I mean, you you know, there's pre-trib and mid-trib and post-trib and historical premillennialism and dispensational premillennialism and on and on amillennialism and and you know, and people divide up into their camps and they uh, and some people get absolutely uh, enraged if you don't see it the way they see it and it's like my book when the lion roars I, I i say in the book very honestly look this book is not about setting dates it's not about declaring when the rapture is going to occur but it's about saying here's what's going on in the world and so we're either very close to the rapture 
or we're very close to some tough times for the church for a while until the rapture happens, whether that's mid-trib or post-trib or whatever. But, but the point is, is, you know, these things are happening before our eyes. Now, now, goes to the question of the temple, because we're watching, you know, continually. There are websites built and books written and movies made speculating on a temple going up on the Temple Mount and and uh, you know we, sacrifices being started again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So then you know there there are various eschatological schemes that insist that a temple structure has to be built on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and and that has to happen before the Lord returns. And there are groups in Israel, Orthodox Jewish groups and Messianic Jewish groups and Christians that are combined with that, that are kind of trying to bring this about, to make it happen. And and those folks are very, very adamant and passionate about that stand. And then there are others who look at the Scriptures and say, well, not so fast. Um, There could be some sort of a temple structure or some kind of sacrificial system as simple as a, 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 a wilderness tabernacle kind of tent uh, thing uh, put up that where sacrifices are, are being made. Um, that could happen. Um, but here's what I did in that article you saw, Joe, and and man, man, we could get deep in this because we go into the Greek words and the Hebrew words in the Old Testament, the Greek words. But here's the bottom line. I here's my position on it. I would not be surprised to see the Orthodox Jews do something like this or attempt to do something like this because they have rejected Jesus the Christ. They have rejected the New Testament gospel and the message and the revelation of the coming of Christ. So they are still clinging to, for example, um, in Malachi, the last chapters of the last book of the Old Testament where the prophet said, and, and, and before the coming of the Lord says, Behold, the Lord will suddenly come to his temple. And who will be able to stand in his presence? And he will be like a refiner's fire, and, and, and no one will be able to stand in his presence. And so they say, okay, there it is. Now, since our Messiah hasn't come yet, we don't receive Christ, then he hasn't come. Well, for him to come, there has to be a temple, because it says it right here. He's going to come to his temple. Well, of course, the Christian world, <laughs> we see that perfectly fulfilled in the last week of Jesus' life when he went straight up to the temple overturned the money changers table went into the temple courts taught that entire week preached and taught people came by the thousands all of his enemies showed up the herodians the 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 sanhedrin council the pharisees the sadducees that's where they asked him tell us uh, is it right to pay taxes unto caesar thinking they had tricked him by asking him the ultimate trick question whichever way he answered it and thousands of people would be mad at him but yet he put them down and put them in their place continually using the word of god and and wisdom from heaven because he was god in the flesh, and and they kept in in the scriptures say you know that they were just astounded at his answers. And here the Messiah came to his temple, and he stood like a refiner's fire. There he was suddenly in the temple before the world. Here's the Messiah, and they could not stand in his presence. But the Orthodox Jews reject that, so they say, well, there has to be a temple. So evangelical Christians have gotten caught up in all of this as well, and they've searched the scriptures looking for a declaration that a temple will be built. And here's what I say to it all. It could very well be that there's some type of a structure built in the last days. I am not dogmatic about it. I am not um, insistent about it. I don't stomp my foot and break fellowship over this issue, and here's why. 
Now, the people who are passionate are going to be mad with me, but I want you to hear. Because what I do is I come from what the Bible says in context, going to the original languages, examining what the original texts say, and then put it in context. And here's a couple of truths, guys. There's not a single place in the Old Testament or New Testament where there is a, a, a treatise laid out that clearly declares there will be a literal temple structure on the literal temple mount in downtown Jerusalem in the last days. There will be a third temple. You do not read that anywhere in the Old or New Testament. Now, for those that are screaming at the radio right now and quoting scriptures, let me just say, the scriptures you are quoting, there are a handful, two or three in the Old Testament, a couple in the New Testament, where you go to them and you say, there it is, there it is. And when you examine them, no, especially when you look at the original Hebrew words, and the translations, the English translations, what you discover is that you have to speculate, you have to read into, you have to infer that they're speaking of a third reconstructed temple in the very last days. But they, there's no place in the scriptures that declares it in a treatise form, in a clear, contextual, unambiguous, here's what's going to happen in the last days. There will be a new temple on the Temple Mount uh, to which the Jews are flocking and creating sacrifices. And in that temple, on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, uh, the Antichrist will set himself up. There is no treatise that declares that. Now, when you come to the New Testament, which is the ultimate revelation of, of, of end-time um, um, uh, understanding, when you come to the New Testament, there is a lengthy treatise about the rebuilding of the new and final temple in the last days. There is in the New Testament. The problem is, is that over and over it is declared that the church is the new temple. Our bodies are the new temple. The body of Christ is the building of the new temple. Paul speaks about that exclusively, except in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 and following, where he declares that the, the, the man of lawlessness will set himself up in the temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, you say, well, there it is. There it is. Well, accept that. In Paul's day, Paul died in 67 A.D. He died a few years before the temple that was standing in Jerusalem was destroyed. Yet he was caught up to paradise. We can read about that in his letter to the Corinthians. He was caught up and shown last day's events because he speaks of the last trumpet. He speaks of the rapture. He speaks of the Antichrist. He speaks of the tribulation days. Paul was shown all of that. But never, ever does he ever speak of the literal building of a temple after the second one was destroyed, which was still standing when Paul was writing. He never speaks of the rebuilding of a new temple except... In all of his other letters, he says, Know you not that you are the temple of God? Do you not know that God is building together the Jew and the Gentile under the blood of Christ? I'm paraphrasing, but this is in Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 3. And he said, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the foundation. We are the building blocks. And he's building us together. And this is the mystery of God in the last days, that you are the temple of Christ. And over and over and over again in the New Testament, it's declared that the temple that's being built in the last days where there's a treatise written about it in the New Testament, 
that is the declaration. Now, guys, we can look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. You know, he'll set himself up in the temple. Okay. But the Greek word there is naos, N-A-O-S. And the, the, there, there's another word used for temple in the Greek. It's called hieron, H-E-I, uh, excuse me, H-I-E-R-O-N, hieron, is how it's said in the Greek. Whenever the writers are speaking of the literal temple structure, the, the Solomon's colonnade on top of the, uh, uh, including the Holy of Holies, the whole structure on top of the Temple Mount, they use the word hieron. The word naos, if you look in a Greek dictionary, you discover that it means that part of the temple that's the inner sanctuary, the holy of the holy place of the temple, the holy place, and and it speaks specifically to that part of the structure. Or definition number two is a spiritually symbolic holy place, as in the church. So Paul, when he says in Second Thessalonians chapter two verse four that this man of lawlessness will set himself up inside the temple. He uses the word naos. And that's the only word Paul ever uses in all of his writings. And when he speaks of the temple, he always speaks of the body of Christ as being the new temple in the last days. So I'm going to hush for just a moment. There's so much more. I mean, we can go to Revelation chapter 11, where John has shown a vision. He's told to go measure the temple. We can go to Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus says, um, be, you know, concerning the times of the end, he says, and when you see the abomination that causes desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then you'll know the time is nigh. Well, you go to those passages about the abomination that causes desolation. There are three of them. There's uh, Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 11, Daniel chapter 12. And you say, well, there it is. Jesus said it. Because when you go there, you come across the English translations that talk about the, the abomination that causes desolation that's set up on the wing of a temple, in the temple. But the problem is, when you go to the Hebrew, the word temple is not there. That was added by the translators. It says, he will, this, this abomination that causes desolation will be set up on a wing. And people say, well, that has to be the temple. But wait a minute. No other place in the in the Old Testament, the, 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 the Hebrew word for wing is kanaf. No other place in the entire Old Testament is that word coupled with the temple. The word wing is used for wings of birds. It's also used for wings of buildings, but it's never coupled with the wing of a temple. So that's an assumption. See, some people that are listening to this, Joe and Doug, this is the first time they're ever hearing this stuff. They they just they read the English translations. They they listen to people who are adamant that a temple has to be built. And well, how do you know? Well, because Jesus said it. Well, where did he say it? Well, he referred us to Daniel, and in Daniel it says the abomination that causes desolation is going to set himself up on the wing of the temple. But but that word's not in the Hebrew. You you, you see how complex this is, guys. Absolutely. And I've went through uh, debates in my own mind. I went through debates with other prophecy and biblical teachers, and I went through the same circle of uh, arguments that you just made about the Old Testament temple versus the New Testament. And I believe that you're right in, in, in what you're saying and your assessment of the word. And, you know, back to the actual temple, I wanted to ask you a follow-up question. Okay. Um, there was... Uh, just the other day, uh, the Palestinians won a victory against Israel, 
that declared Jerusalem holy site declared Muslim, not Jewish, in a United Nations resolution. Yes. Now, from everything you just described, obviously, those who understand uh, the way that you just explained them, uh, Christians who believe that, you know, where the Holy Spirit dwells in their body, that is the, the temple, and that uh, a lot of people uh, who are Jewish look to a building uh, that will be the third temple. What uh, I mean, we know that when the nations of the world try to interfere to separate or change things about God's land, that that certain things happen. Um, Do you think or see any ramifications from the UN declaration saying that the holiest site in Jerusalem is uh, exclusively Muslim? Yeah, I do, and let me just let me just give this little caveat as we continue to, to discuss this. That the little five or ten minute spiel I just gave on the temple is, as I said, I, I usually when I teach this I take several hours and I go through every verse and go through the words and show. And once people see it all in its context, they see they see it. They say, you know what? The scriptures don't demand, not literally. Not in a conversational uh, treatise type of way. I mean, you you can pull out verses and say, well, it must mean this because it says this, or it has to mean this because this is the way I think that this means. You can do that, but you can't go to a place anywhere in the Scripture where it says, in the last days, after the second temple is destroyed, before Jesus comes, there will be a third temple, a building, a literal temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. That discussion is never held anywhere in the Scriptures. Never. Now, back to your question, and I think I think I was interviewed in that article. I, I, I know I spoke to it a lot on radio and in some print media. I think WND did an article, and I think I was quoted on that about the UN sanction. I mean, the UN declaration. But the bottom line is. Yeah, the implications of that, guys, I think it's very prophetic. I think it speaks to this spirit of, of, of this Islamic demonic spirit that's permeating the Middle East and Turkey and the United Nations and the United States and Europe. And, and it's, a, it's a demonic spirit of the prophetic days in which we're living. And this, uh, this declaration is, is the theater of the absurd. Um, you know, it's, it, so, so the Temple Mount is Muslim. It's, it's never, they said it's never been Jewish. Well, my question is, well, then who built it? And what was it built for? And, 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 and we call it the Temple Mount. What temple was on the top of it at one time? And what historical records do we have to talk about a temple in that location? And who was it that built that temple? I mean, this is absurd. It's absolutely revisionist history, demonic, complete theater of the absurd. But it speaks to the demonic spirit of our days, guys. And I think it's very prophetic. I think that's the implication of it all. You know, very... Wow, I learned a lot just from your your information that, that you just provided, because that question plagued me. But you know something, Carl? I didn't understand the nature of the question. Somehow, through your explanation, now I understand the nature of the question, the prophetic implications, and the difference as well as as, as you as you explain it. So, something, and, and probably rightfully so, uh, put it in the same camp as the. Rapture debate. Oh my goodness! And I said the word rapture. I know. Everyone just relax, you know. But yeah, now, now I get that now. Okay. Well, 
Well, well, thanks. Well, guys, let, and let me say this because we're, you know, we're rapidly running out of time. I mean, if we're going to talk about the rapture and the third temple, we need to do a, a three-hour show on it. You know, and, yeah. And, yeah. and and so, and I know with all of this prophetic stuff that's going on now, even my own church family, um, I, I do a lot of teaching on Sunday nights in the sanctuary. People pile back in there, and we just take the word and spend several hours and just teach through it. And this is one of the topics they had asked me to teach was this the the temple thing and how all of that relates in. And and listen, I want your audience to know, I try to be very balanced and very sincere and very uh, um, studious about this. I I know in in my ranting and raving for 10 minutes, it might not have sounded that way, but but look, I always leave room to be wrong. I mean, I I don't think I have all full knowledge of everything. I don't. I've I've never presented myself that way, I don't think. I, I leave myself room to be contextually, biblically corrected. Now, I don't mind if somebody was to call up or to email me after the show and chew me out and tell me how wrong I am. I mean, I, I can deal with that. I'm a big boy. But show me in the Scriptures, and don't quote some book that somebody wrote about it. Show me in there the Scriptures, go. and then show yep. me the contextual tie-in. Show me the treatise where the Bible clearly just declares. I mean, show me how you can be so fundamental and dogmatic about it that you're willing to break fellowship with me about it because the scripture says in the last days after the second temple is destroyed a third literal temple will be built on the temple mount before jesus returns you won't find that you will not find that and when you go to the new testament all you hear about a new temple being built is paul talking about the temple that we are becoming as the church You've been very gracious to address that question. Thank, thank you so much. And by the way, I, I will say this. Everyone I've spoken to about your beliefs and your teachings specifically have overwhelmingly stated your, how gracious you are and how, uh, level-handed you. you, you are and, and how biblically, contextually, uh, close to to, to the, what the Bible says that you've been. So thank, thank you, you for that. Thank you. Carl, we're going to be right back. Stay right where you're at, folks. Carl Gallops. Gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Of course, we're up against the presidential debates, Trump v. Clinton, Clinton v. Trump, being held right now in Las Vegas. We're monitoring them via closed caption. Yes, we are. And it's pretty interesting so far. You know, yes, but but I'll say this. What, to me, Joe, what's even more interesting is to be able to talk with uh, Carl Gallops about current events, about prophetic things. This is what we're seeing in this closed caption debate is temporary. It's fleeting. It's political theater. And I want to thank you, the listeners, the viewers to this channel right now for sticking with us. You might have it on in the background or on, uh, on your TV or whatever. But, but thank you for sticking with us because what Mr. Gallops is offering is contemporary Christian insight into into what we're dealing with. I mean, it's one thing to watch the theater, it's watch the debates, it's another thing to understand what's going on before us and a, a very well-respected man in in all around in Christian circles and certainly we are so 
so pleased to have him as a guest on our show, Carl Gallops, carlgallops.com, his book, When the Lion Roars, number one on Kindle in the Christian prophetic realm <clears throat> venue. Uh, it's an excellent book, folks. I would recommend anyone, everyone to, to grab a hold of that for your personal library and your enrichment. But, um, it's to me, when I speak with Mr. Gallops, I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm overstating the case at all because it's not my intent. But when I speak to Carl Gallops, it makes me, it reassures me. He reassures me that we can have a discussion out there, um, among uh, Christians and, and, and over any topic. And you know something, his calming, uh, voice and, and approach to things to me is, is just great. Now, uh, Mr. Gallops, I, I want to just give you this uh, debate update, and I thought this was pretty telling, as, as we happen to see on the monitor here in our studio. Um, there was a question about late or about the Roe v. Wade, and I just found it really interesting. Not that, not that anyone would be surprised by this. Uh, Donald Trump came out and was talking about uh, late-term abortions, and there in the split screen that we have here in the studio. Of course, Hillary Clinton was laughing and, and, and saying, oh, it's not like that. You know, and he's saying, well, the ninth month, you know, uh, uh, abortions in the ninth month when four or five days uh, a child could be born, you know, it's horrendous that, that late-term abortions could be could be done. And then Hillary right away turned it into this, well, it's a matter of health care. First of all, it's a woman's choice, and it's a matter of women's health care. It's amazing to me, Mr. Gallops, about how, Life is so quickly disregarded by by by, by people. Um, in this case, Hillary Clinton, and then she yucks it up, laughs about it. Yes, just, and if I can jump in, something she just said is she's accusing Trump of colluding with Putin, saying we've never, never in the history of elections have had a foreign government influence or be part of the U.S. elections. Not, I mean. If anything is, you know, from that statement she just made, she's the one who's accepted foreign donation donations from uh, countries uh, in the millions who are a- allies of ISIS, who are anti-American, uh, pro-Muslim immigration into the West, and it's been proven through the emails and through the corruption at the Clinton Foundation that she traded access for and favors for money from these foreign governments. It, it's yeah. just mind-boggling. That's why I can't watch the debates. Uh, I couldn't watch the first two, and I can yeah. read the captions during the show here, but that's about as far as I'll get until the headlight, headlines are out. Yeah, I, I usually like. spend a lot of time screaming at the television. How about you guys? <laughs> yeah, that's why I keep it off <laughs> for the most yeah. part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, now I've got my television on, and I see the... Um, the closed caption as well. I'm watching some of it. It's just, it's, it's absolutely astounding. And you know, you speak of her flippant facial reactions to the abortion issue. And then, of course, you can read her words here, uh, closed caption. Um, guys, that, I mean, how prophetic, how biblical. About a hundred years ago, we started teaching our little children, generation after generation now, in our public school systems. We started teaching them that there is no God that we are here as a cosmic accident from a chemical sludge pond where nothing more than souped-up gorillas. That's what we started teaching several generations of kids. 
in the largest Christian nation the planet has ever seen, by law, we began to teach that. This godless, atheistic, completely secular, spit on the word of God, spit in the face of God. We've been teaching it to our little children. Then, 1973, as a result of decades and generations of teaching children that, we come up with Roe v. Wade, wherein we say, it's okay, it's legal. In fact, we're going to federally finance it. And we're going to put people in jail who disagree and try to stop it and disrupt the process. It's okay to reach inside the womb of a woman, pull out a human child, dismember it, burn it alive, throw it in a trash can like so much garbage. And the federal government will back this up. Get this, guys. That was 1973. That same year, as you guys probably already know, the Federal Endangered Species Act was enacted wherein it became a federal crime to touch an eagle's nest or an eagle's egg or to touch or move or destroy a turtle's egg or nest on the beaches. In the same year, we lost our ever-loving minds and we said, you can destroy human life, but if you even come close to touching an eagle's egg or a turtle egg, we'll put you in federal prison. And then... Is it no surprise that here we are, 2015, June 2015, that same Supreme Court, you know, the one that said black people aren't really people, you know, in, in, in the no, years yeah. of slavery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said the same thing about the fetus in the womb. It's not a real person. It, is not, it has no rights. It's not a real person. Black people aren't real people. They don't have any rights. Same Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. In 2015, they said, you know what? A marriage can be anything you want it to be. doesn't matter. It can be anything, and if you disagree with it, we'll start putting you in jail. Now, in case you think I'm being overly uh, uh, reactive to that, ask Kim Davis about that. Oh, yes. <laughs> she went yes. to jail within days of that ruling because she refused to believe it and to enact upon it. Um, and then, of course, right behind that, within months, came Obama's insane and criminal Transgender Shower, Bathroom, and Locker Room Act. Oh, man, yes upon millions of children in the public school system. Guys, and we're watching this debate tonight, and we're listening to Donald Trump with all of his faults and rough edges. He's talking Americana. He's talking Judeo-Christian foundation. He's talking common sense about life, marriage, America, borders. She is mocking him. I mean, this is demonic, this is spiritual, this is prophetic, guys. That's my take on it. Uh, Yes, very prophetic. Um, Carl, we only have about 20 minutes left before the end of the program. We see stories like this all the time, uh, and I kind of want to bring this back to a biblical perspective uh, if we can, and look at this uh, this coming new world order. We've had the Navy, the, the, the Pentagon, issue new handbooks to the Navy about um, dealing with sex change operations for the uh, soldiers there. Now we have, it has come out, the Bibles banned from the VA uh, as the VA removes a good book from their clinics. We have the... Um, and we can take it a step further and, you know, the, the just outright ban of the Bibles anywhere, for the most part in public and hotels, even in private, uh, businesses that are public in nature. And how long do you see before, 
I mean, we've already seen the churches completely corrupt and pervert the teachings of the Bible. How long do you think, if some calamity doesn't happen first, if things just keep going at the pace we see, before Bibles are outlawed, like in Saudi Arabia, on an individual basis? Yeah. Well, again, guys, I don't have a specific word of prophecy on it, but let me just say, it's coming like a flood. That's why I wrote my book. I'm just trying to wake the church up because, look, this this movement, this globalist movement, reeks of hypocrisy. Okay, so you're talking about the Bible and the Word of God, and Chris, just think about this, guys. I, 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 I've been saying this on radio and TV every chance I get to the homosexual community in America. Let me just speak to the homosexual community. You guys are being used. The New World Order is using you. Their affinity and love for Islam. I will believe that they truly want rights for gays and, and truly love you guys when, you know, they're attacking Christian churches and Christian florists and Christian bakers and saying, if you don't accept it, we're going to shut you down, we're going to sue you, we're going to put you in jail. I will believe the sincerity of that movement when they start telling the, the Muslim imams, you have to do gay marriages in your mosques in America. When they start telling the, the, the Muslim flower shop owners and cake bakers, you have to accommodate gays or we'll put you in jail. When they start throwing Muslim imams in jail for preaching against homosexuality from the Quran, because the Quran does pre- speak against it, um, then I will believe them. But you notice none of that is being done. It, this, they're using this to undermine the foundation and structure of our entire nation, which is a Judeo-Christian foundation. They're using Islam to do it. They're using the radical gay movement to do it. This, this is filled with hypocrisy, this attack on the Bible. Really? All right, let's start attacking the Quran. Since we have such an influx of Muslims now, and we've got mosques going up all over the United States, and, and, and we, we have such an affinity for them, let's start insisting that there can be no public displays of Islamic uh, religious uh, artifacts or articles. Uh, you, you better not put a Quran anywhere. You better not bring a Quran to school. You better not wear your burqas in public. You better not cover your face. You better not pull out a prayer rug in the middle of work or a public place or a government building. We'll put you in jail. Have you heard anybody say that? Of course not. <laughs> no. if, if they're being used. I, I'm going to tell you something. The black population of America. We're watching this before our eyes. Think about this, guys. They're being used. This whole Black Lives Matter movement. But forget that. Let's talk about this election. So state after state after state now, they're trying to get these voter ID laws, you know, codified. And they're making, they're bending over backwards to make it fair. So we'll issue identification to anybody that wants it. But you've got to have identification. Why is that? Well, you have to prove you're a legal citizen. Why is that? Because we've got millions, tens of millions now of illegal citizens and the leftist the progressive, the communist, the globalist among us are trying to get them in the voting booths to swing elections. So states realize what's happening, and along come the progressives and say, oh, no, no, voter identification laws, that's unfair. Now, now, guys, listen to me. Think of this. You say, well, why is it unfair? And here's their answer. This is not my answer. This is the progressive's answer. Because black people don't have identification. What? That 
that is as racist as you can get. What do you mean? But, well, but, you know, black people can't. This is racist. It's discriminatory against black people if we don't, uh, if we have voter ID laws. How so? This is the 21st century. What do you mean? Does that mean black people can't drive cars? You have to have a driver's license. Does that mean black people can't fly on airplanes? You have to show identification. Does that mean black people can't? I mean, just go down the list of everything you have to show an ID for. Does that mean black people can't get credit cards? They can't buy and shop and sell because you've got to have a credit card or a, a driver's license or something for most purchases. Does that mean black people can't shop online at Amazon? You've got to have some ID. What, what do they mean? No. I mean, it, it, it doesn't. A, a black person can't go into a liquor store and buy liquor because you've got to have ID. Some states are required ID regardless of your age. So what are you saying? You're saying that's like saying, you know, we, we've got to we, we, we can't have voter ID laws because, you know, those people down in Florida, you know, they, they don't have IDs. What do you mean we don't have IDs? I mean, guys. The hypocrisy, the agenda, it's before our eyes. I don't know how people can't see it. I mean, blacks are being used. Um, uh, Islam is being used. Um, uh, Black Lives Matter people are being used. Um, uh, the homosexual movement is being used. And it is all being used to undermine rule of law, authority, respect for authority, the Judeo-Christian heritage, and it's aimed directly at the church. Guys, I'm telling you, this is spiritual, and it is prophetic. Does any of that make sense at all, or have I just rambled on? No, it makes perfect sense. Uh, no rambling at all. Uh, you you Everything's nail prophetic point by here. point. Um, you know, we, we have about uh, 12 minutes left in this interview. Um, we have the debates going on, the third and final presidential debate, as we're three weeks away from the election, well, less than three weeks yeah. now, yep. away from the election. We have, um, you know, so much going on uh, in current events. But one thing that, if we can, before, you know, we, we have, uh, and bring it into this interview, uh, that I want to ask you about. There, there was an, in- I don't know if you saw this, there was an interesting executive order signed uh, by the president, I think on the 13th of October, which called for a coordinating efforts to prepare the nation for space weather events. Hmm. And yeah. uh, the president wrote this, and he's setting policy uh, for space weather ab- events from solar flares to energetic particles, geomagnetic mm-hmm. disturbances, Mm-hmm. And other measurable effects on our critical infrastructure, power grid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, from a biblical perspective, and many people, you know, like to, to toss in the new age, you know, Zachariah Stitchin, planet Nibiru or planet X stuff. Right. Uh, new age, you know, ancient alien astronaut theorist into biblical theology. Um, is, from your, uh, studying of the Bible, is, Space weather something that we need to be concerned about, A, and B, is there anything that the uh, White House or the smartest people in the globe can do to coordinate efforts to stop any type of space weather? 
<laughs> yeah, in the long run and ultimately, there's not a thing they can do. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, people talk about, you don't believe in global warming? I say, oh, yeah, it's in the Bible. They say, what do you mean? I say, well, it's in Second Peter. It says in the end that the whole thing's going to be burnt up. The elements will melt in the fire that's coming. It's coming from heaven. God's going to start this mess all over again with his redeemed. <laughs> so there, yeah, there's global warming coming, but it's not man-made yeah, if, you, if you catch my drift. That was actually, was, somebody had sent an email, actually a, a listener from, uh, from Australia had sent that question. You just answered a question from somebody from Australia. So, good well, good. <laughs> well, let me also address what you said, this initiative coming out of the White House, this, this, this what was it called, weather what, weather-related emergencies or something? What what'd you say it was? On uh, October 13th of this year, the president signed an yep. executive order yep. coordinating efforts to prepare the nation for space weather events. Okay, space, yeah. space weather event. All right, let me address yep. that. Here's what's going on with that. Guys, what they're talking about are, are what's known as EMPs, electromagnetic pulses. Mm-hmm. Now, that can come from a nuclear weapon detonated in the atmosphere, and, of course, that can shut down the entire electronic infrastructure of a nation. I mean, everything from our automobiles that are run largely by computers shuts down the Internet. Every electronic device shuts down yep. power grids, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, within seconds, we could go to the Stone Age if that happened. From a nuclear, now, from a nuclear explosion to a powerful enough uh, CME or solar flare. Exactly. That's where I was going. I was going to say it could, that could happen, or it can happen from a powerful solar flare, and one happened in the 1800s before we had uh, pervasive electricity. Um, uh, we, but telegraph lines were fried all over the world. Uh, the, the, the small electric infrastructure we did have, especially in Europe, was greatly affected, devastated, actually. Um, that people can read that. In, 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 they can go on, online and Google it and read about it. I mean, that's a history historical event, and that was before we had, you know, internets and computers and cars and automobiles and electric grids and all of the things that we depend upon, transportation, which delivers our food and our fuel, and it, it, it could all be shut down by a solar event, a massive solar event, and we've had these in the last several hundred years, so we know that that's a possibility. Now, I'm going to tell you why Obama did what he did. Because for years, people like Newt Gingrich and and many others on the conservative side of the aisle, we have been begging and pleading for the United States, instead of sending $150 billion to Iran so that by proxy they can build their nuclear weapons, we need to spend that $150 billion on revamping our infrastructure system and protecting against everything Amen. from a solar flare to a to a, a nuclear event. And and the conservatives, have, we've been having congressional hearings. There have been scientific symposium meetings and conferences. We There are leaders, military leaders, political, congressional leaders, science leaders who acknowledge that this is a real and present danger, and the progressives, the liberals who have been in charge now for, for forever, it seems like, have done nothing. And so this information is coming out. It's coming out more. Trump has been dropping hints about it. Newt Gingrich is out there talking about it. 
And this was Obama's attempt to give Hillary Clinton some relief in the debate tonight. He came out a few days ago issuing executive order saying, oh, we got to have a meeting. we got to have a, a, a committee. We need to study this thing. Well, Mr. Obama, we're not idiots. It's been being studied for decades by people smarter than you and me put together, and they've been telling us for decades that we are in a mess, and you're just doing this to try to anesthetize the public and take a little pressure off of Hillary Clinton. Guys, I'm convinced that's what that thing was about. Wow. Wow, very insightful, very informational. Uh, one one. Last question, if I may, before we go, Mr. Gallops. Yes, the sir. James O'Keefe Project Veritas, the WikiLeaks yes. emails, uh, and yes. her Hillary Clinton's paid speech releases, we see that these are very damaging videos and documents. They show the uh, depth and length of the evil criminal uh, enterprise that the Clinton machine runs, whether it's through the Clinton Foundation, government offices like the Senate, State Department, and even up into the White House. And we are promised that more revelations will be coming each and every day from James O'Keefe, uh, even Here's speculation others. about Hillary Clinton on video making racial slurs toward minorities. Uh, is there anything that can be released at this point that would sway Hillary Clinton voters away from voting for her? from your experience? Well, yeah. Well, the hardcore Hillary Clinton voters, no, will not be swayed any more than the hardcore Trump voters would be swayed if if he killed somebody on the Capitol of the, the steps tonight. And I'm being funny, of course, but you, you know what I mean. There are those hardcore supporters that will not be swayed by anything. But, but I think, I, listen, I've called this the year of revelation. Think about all of the things being revealed. Look what happened to the rule of law. Look what James Comey showed us <laughs> with his pronouncement yeah. of, well, she broke all kind of laws, but, you know, she didn't mean to. Now, this is not to say that if you don't do it, you'll go to jail, but we're not going <laughs> to mess with I mean, we're just watching this stuff unfold before our eyes, and we're going, oh, my gosh. They're opening our borders. They're cramming people in. They're bringing people over from the Middle East and dumping them in American cities all over the United States. They're telling states that you can't have voter ID, that anybody can vote. They're corrupting the system. And now Hillary's email dumps and the video of the Veritas video with the operatives bragging about how for 50 years they've been corrupting the voting system. And now we've got the technology that they can sit in an office in somebody's basement and, 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 and you know, pump information into a state electoral system. I mean, it's it's, it, it's absolutely astounding. And Hillary Clinton yeah. is up to her eyeballs in the deception and the and the criminal enterprise. And the best they can do on Donald Trump is say, well, 12 years ago, he taught boy talk with some guys on a bus. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, yeah, which which I don't condone. I don't speak but, that way. Well, of but, course not. But, but yeah, years ago, yeah. I might have. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I, 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 Before exactly. I knew the Lord. I mean, you know, I mean, it, that's my point is that the world, our nation is just being given over to a depraved mind. It's it, common sense is being sucked out the window. I'm telling you guys, this election is going to tell it all. Either we're going to get a little yep. bit of breathing room or we're going to be sucked down the black hole pretty soon, I, I think. 
Oh, you and I and Joe and Eric, the tech, we we might be uh, huddling together in a uh, in a, in a uh, shelter, um, you know, uh, making plans on on uh, on, on uh, tactical operations, or you know, who, well, who knows? But, but it would be regardless, uh, being shoulder to shoulder with you in any fight on the on the side of righteousness and on the side of God would be uh, uh, would be an honor of ours. That's for sure. Thank you. Can I can I give a word of encouragement and balance to your listeners? Uh, biblical yes, encouragement before yeah, we dismiss. Yes. Yeah, I appreciate. It. I, I just want to say, listeners, listen. We, you know, we've crammed a lot in the two hours, and but let me just say, look, God's got this. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your head in the Word. Keep your 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 life wrapped around a biblical worldview, and you'll see the truth. It's before you. You'll know what's going on. We're we're not going to have paradise on earth until Jesus comes back. But in the meantime, we're looking for breathing room. We're trying to keep the salt from being trampled underfoot, and that's our job. It's my job. It's your job, Joe and Doug. It's it's your listeners' job. Those that are born again believers, especially. And so I'm saying, look, don't give up the fight. We've been raised up for such a time as this. Let's just let's enjoy life. Let's pay the bills, mow the grass, plan for the future. We don't know the day or the hour, but keep our head on a swivel and know the times in which we live. And Christians, please, tonight I was asked the question about the temple, and we talked about it. I gave a 15-minute diatribe, but we need hours for that. Let's don't break fellowship over the timing of the rapture or the building of a temple. We need to be united around the gospel and the clear truths of God's Word. We can debate these things. We can have fun talking about them. We can research. My attitude is, look, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong and you can show me I'm wrong, I'll admit it. But in the meantime, let's unite together around the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's go forward understanding that we have been raised up for such a time as this, and let us never grow weary in doing good, so that people will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. That comes right out of the mouth of Jesus. Does that make sense, guys? It makes perfect sense. Absolutely. That that explains why you've got the respect of many. And what a wonderful way to end the interview tonight, Mr. Gallops. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so, honored to have been with you guys tonight. It's always so much fun. Thank you. Oh man, it's it's, it's our fun. pleasure. And the time flies. It, uh, and, absolutely. And folks, his book, When the Lion Roars, it's a must read for Christians, in my view, anyway. Uh, get it Kindle uh, or paperback. I personally like the paperback, but uh, congratulations! It's really great strides. I mean, it's really going uh, a great great guns. God bless you, Thank sir. You. Thank you so much God. for being part of our program. And the Lord bless you and keep you as well. And I'll be praying for you guys. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you, sir. Too. All right. Well, folks, that'll do it for us tonight. What a wonderful interview. What a wonderful man, Mr. Carl Gallops, a man of character and integrity, certainly a Christian, a, a man of, of Christian biblical uh, sensibilities. And, and uh, I, I love the guy. I really do. I mean, he's a great yeah, man. Absolutely. And, yeah. and get his books and uh, support Carl Gallops. In fact, the, uh, uh, connect with them on any social media out there and, and certainly uh, send them an email. Let them know that you heard him on the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Send them an email of encouragement. The guy's busy all the time, I'll tell you that. We got a great show lined up for you for the next two, three, four, I mean, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Tomorrow thank you, John we have author David Thomas. He's going to be bringing on a guest, Jordan. He has written books about the doctor who caught Ebola, the time man of the year. Yeah. Um, and uh, he wrote another book about time the high school year, football yeah. team and uh, the faith 
and issues pertaining to that. And he's going to be bringing on a special guest. Could it be the Time Man of the Year? No, Let's I see. know who it is. I do. And then I do. Friday, it looks like we have Trey Smith. I'd call him a, a YouTube sensation, and only sensation in the way that he has garnered so many followers preaching and talking about prophecy, uh, the days of Noah, the book of Enoch, and digging into current events through the lens of Bible prophecy. Uh, that's a high listener demand guest. Avi Lipkin will be with us Monday. Oh, yeah. And starting next week, Pastor Langford will be joining us each and every Wednesday. For an hour every Wednesday. Man, huh? Looks good. It's a great lineup. God Until bless tomorrow. each and every one of you. Thank you.